The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Amber Lyon, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. You're one of our first serious guests. You're like a, a legit human that was working for <laughs> CNN. Like, we have credentials now, dude. Do you feel this, Brian? Yeah. Do you feel a change Maybe coming? Maybe I could get a wiki someday. You can get a Wikipedia, I think, this yeah. week. I think we're going to make it happen. Yeah. But uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. I, I, I became aware of you because of the internet, and I became aware of you specifically because of your interview with my crazy friend Alex Jones. Oh, yeah, Alex. I love Alex Jones. Alex was great. He had me on to talk about... I mean, this is a, a topic I'm discussing that is is difficult to get people to have you on to talk about it because they... Yeah, not Alex, you know, though. No, not Alex He's at all. He's fucking psyched. <laughs> There's, we found more corruption! I can't believe this! Yeah. The insanity of it all! You have to love his passion. Oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I love I, him. He's a I good friend say, of mine. I yeah. love him. Yeah, he is so passionate, yeah. and and when you follow your passion, success will follow, and that's happened with with Alex. He's I mean, so he's so passionate that people think it's fake. They think that like he's like some sort of a CIA plant, and mm-hmm. he's like yeah. you know living this lie of you know it's like the idea of putting I, out. I almost wish it was fake though, because like I feel <laughs> I always tell him every time I hang out with him, like you, you stress me out, aren't you stressed? <laughs> like like I, I feel bad for him, like he can't calm down. He's always yeah, he's intense when he's eating hot dogs. Yeah, like, really? he's, yeah he's like, I don't need another. Those fucking hot dogs, man. Where, where's she going with those hot dogs? Yeah, he was. Uh, he came with us to the UFC. Right. Had a great time with that guy. He was fun. Dude, I have to tell you, after interviewing with him for an hour, he, he's genuine. Like, oh, yeah. He, he is. genuinely cares about the direction this country's going in, and he's willing to put his neck out on the line. Yeah. Just like you you do, Joe. And uh, and, and that's admirable because you're, you're seeing a lot of people just kind of shut up right now. Yeah. And it takes the real heroes to really come forward and, and talk about everything that's going on. Or crazy, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. That's what people tell me. Are you, are you freaking out of your mind? Are you nuts? For folks who don't know the story, the, the, the story that I got from the Alex Jones show is, and this is a subject that I have been really curious about why this wasn't receiving any mainstream coverage when we would see all this coverage of what was going on in Syria and all this coverage is going on in Egypt mm-hmm. and in Libya, but no, we never saw anything on Bahrain. And uh, I saw some horrific videos that I found online of uh, just the military assassinating dissent, uh, assassinating uh, different people that were protesting. And you, you look at the video and you're like, how is this not huge? How is this not all over the news every day? How, is, how are we not you know, imposing sanctions on this country? How are we not you know, speaking out against this horrific show mm-hmm. of just, it was just horrifying to watch. But it was weird how silent the mainstream news was about yeah. it. It was like there was nothing. And you ran into this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't only run into it. I was knocked over by it and run over. <laughs> now, did they just hire you thinking you're a beautiful woman? You just want to be like a model who's going to read the news and you're just going to shut the fuck up? I, I think so. And, yeah. and uh, unfortunately, I'm Greek and I'm a Scorpio. And, and wow. it turned out, yeah. Is that good? Are those dangerous. That's dangerous. Yeah. That's super dangerous. They, I don't think they, I really don't think that they knew I wasn't just a, a talking head puppet when I was hired. I was hi- actually hired by someone who ended up leaving the network. Um, and uh, and so, so I think they were surprised uh, by They fucked me. up. They didn't see it coming. I, I think so, too. <laughs> I, I think in 10 years, if people go back and evaluate the situation, they'll... They thought you were going to be a female Ryan Seacrest and just yeah. run with this. Well, there's a weird trend, especially in Fox News. They have these gorgeous women reading the news. I'm like, yeah. that is such a sneaky trick. Because especially if you're a guy who can't get laid, like having a beautiful <laughs> woman talk about anything, it's like, I just want to hear her talk. 
I just want to just tell me, tell me what's going on. And so, like, what better way to program people for your right wing agenda than have like the hottest chicks on the planet of course. tell and, you what's wrong with the left? And then also have them say weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Over Ooh. Over, you know? <laughs> God damn. And it worked. You know, obviously, yeah. we ended up in Iraq and Afghanistan, and they're continuing to. I don't to think we can blame the hot propaganda. chicks. <laughs> well, but, you yeah, know. The propaganda is strong for sure. Well, tell us your experience, because you, you know better than anyone. You were working yeah. on CNN. I, I saw some of the other stuff that you did that was amazing, the, especially the, th- the piece on the uh, child prostitutes in Las Vegas. I mean, I was, oh, you watched that? Yes, I oh, did. Thank you. It, it was hard. I felt yeah. for that mom. It was so horrible. Seeing that mom holding one baby, talking about her other baby, who's now 13 and is just running around as a prostitute, it was insane. It was insane to watch. So uh, I know you did serious work for them, and that's like that was some really deep shit. And it was a long piece. What what is it like to to go from that to just running into this wall and this one particular subject that set you off, this Bahrain issue? Like, what was that yeah. like? It was well for me. It was really disturbing. Um, I was. I, it was. Uh, Horrific, because I knew these people in Bahrain were being tortured and abused and um, and systematically killed. And doctors, doctors. they killing doctors, doctors for taking and care of people who protested, who got shot for for treating these people. They got tortured. Yeah, they got tortured. Some of them are still in jail. These are genuinely good people. Uh, ambulance drivers were beat. Journalists. Uh, one was arrested. His body showed up a couple days later, just full of, of torture marks. And, and what really bothered me is because I grew up in the Midwest and I know how the American people get taken advantage of. And our tax dollars are going to this Bahrain regime to support them. And they're the ones doing this to their people. How much money do we send to Bahrain every year? We, we send, uh, we, I don't know the exact amount of money, but I know that we send more than a billion dollars worth of weapons. We've given them more than a billion dollars worth of weapons. They're using some of these weapons. Some of this tear gas that they're using to systematically gas their people, which they are doing. Um, they're taking weapons that they're allowed to use, which is tear gas and birdshot, and instead of using those for crowd control, they're using those to systematically um, kill their people and gas them. And this is being made in Pennsylvania. So they're killing them with tear gas. Yeah, they're they're um, because it's UN approved. So they're literally dropping tear gas on these villages every single day, all day long and night. And and Physicians for Human Rights, a Nobel Peace Prize winning organization, has been trying to raise hell about this because it's it's tearing up these people's lungs. People who are asthmatic are dying elderly are dying they're suffocating in their homes and they're misusing this gas and it's a very systematic way that they're doing it people are having miscarriages women um, some of these doctors are now connecting it to the tear gas uh, so so this is something that needs to be talked about uh, urgently because these people as I speak right now they're they're being gassed how many people have died from this so far is it uh, known uh, so far, they don't know because they can't 100%, uh, you know, say you were gassed and a couple of days later you die because you have uh, respiratory issues. You can't 100% connect it to the gas. But so far, more than a couple dozen people uh, have been killed. And they just continually do this. They're just going to... Continually, all day long. Yeah. And, and I think it's a, way, um, it's a way that they're trying to suppress the protests, also a way that they're trying to, uh, to silence the opposition and get people in these, in these neighborhoods to convince the youth to quit protesting because they, they keep getting gassed as, as a result of it. What is our business there? What is our business with Bahrain that we support them? Well, this means everything to us right now. And a lot of people will say, okay, Bahrain is so far away. What does it matter to me? I always explain this to my sister because she's in that mindset. She doesn't really know about the politics in the region. 
well, we, we keep hearing more and more about Iran and a potential war with Iran. So we need, we have a, a Navy base in Bahrain, and Bahrain is right across, uh, there's a body of water separating Bahrain and Iran. So we need that naval base if we're going to go in and eventually attack Iran. It's very strategic for the U.S. That's why we have Bahrain as an ally. Um, and so this situation is a situation where the U.S. is giving Bahrain money and keeping our base there and allowing these atrocities to happen because of a potential war with Iran. So, so your tax dollars are going directly uh, to this regime. Not only that, covering up this story further gets us into some, a potential conflict um, with Iran because you're not knowing, we're demonizing people who we want to attack and then we're, we're praising people who we want to keep as our, as our allies. Who we really should, probably should be attacking. Exactly. If, if people if you knew, really wanted to stop atrocities in the world, you wouldn't be yeah. looking at Iran. You would be looking at fucking Bahrain. Exactly. You know, we were detained violently there. We were thrown on the ground. We had machine guns pointed at our heads, and they tried to erase all of our video. Uh, and this was about ten, a 10 minutes drive from the naval base where 15,000 Americans are living. And, um, you know, and they tried to, uh, to bury the story. But, but fortunately... Um, I was with another female producer. We were able to hide these these media discs actually in our in our bras during the uh, detainment. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, now that I look back on it, it's kind of funny. But at the time, we were very worried about the the discs falling out as you're laying on the ground right. and you have a, a gun pointed at your head Holy and they're shit. erasing your video. You don't want that disc to drop out on the floor. Yeah. What do you say to them? Oops, I don't know Sorry, where that I came was from. Hiding that in my tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. You know, uh, so it was a uh, it, it was a situation that was just um, wow. pretty eye opening. That's intense, and you tried to go back. Oh, I've I've tried many times. They they won't let me back. In the Why country. would you go back after that? Because you you find a, a connection to the story as a journalist when you know something's <sighs> happening. Um, I.e., you're crazy. <laughs> in other words. No. <laughs> no, the people are, are really good people. When you meet yeah. them, you you just remember them. You you hold a, a a big place in your heart for them and and for um for their survival and and you feel duty to tell their story. What is it about the Middle East that makes these crazy dictators? I mean, that's really the last place in the world where dudes are still rocking it old school like that, where there's like a king running a whole <laughs> country. It's only the Middle East. And it's really fascinating when you look at human history and you find out that that's where the original civilization, the oldest known civilization is Sumer. That's where Iraq is. It's like, so those people that are there are essentially the townies of the world. It's mm -hmm. like people in the Middle East that are like these dictators. I mean, they really are running things the way they did thousands of years ago. They have never had to evolve. They've never had to move on like the rest of the world has. So I don't think we can even wrap our heads around the idea of kings in this country. It's like, it seems even though as our, our police state clamps down and our rights start slipping away every day with the, more of these insane bills that pass, I still don't think we understand what it would be like to be under the rule of Saddam Hussein and having his Uday and whatever his other son's name, those crazy, evil, psychopath sons running around torturing and killing people. I don't think we can even understand that. I think that's almost outside of our range. So as long as something like this, Bahrain, isn't reported on, it's not talked about in the news, we don't have to focus on it. We don't, we don't really, it doesn't, we, it doesn't register with us. And, and we're keeping them in power. We're keeping these dictators in power. So that's another thing that I don't think um, our, our uh, current government wants us to discuss because they, they don't want the people to be outraged and make us leave and they don't want this protest to succeed because if the protests succeed, these protesters are going to kick the U.S. out. I mean, the U.S. has uh, uh, 
aided this regime and and oppressing them for decades and and so so that's another reason the u.s doesn't want this reported on in the mainstream news wow it's so crazy because i guess the idea is by not have taking military action against someone like that you're you know what what, what are you just turning a blind eye to it or what do you, i mean how do you how do you continue to how do you continue to send them weapons how is yeah. that possible it seems it just seems unconscionable it seems like at a, at a certain point in time someone has to cross some line somewhere and just go what what are what exactly are we doing like mm-hmm. is it really that important to go into iran that we're allowing this country to run like this like what why are we supporting this? Like, what are we doing as a country? Are we completely about dollar bills now? Is it just about controlling oil ports and, 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 and pathways? I mean, that's really what the Iran thing is about, right? It's about controlling the, about being able to get oil out of, uh, what is that, that, that shipping route that's yeah, there? And, um, and it's about, it's about exactly. And it's not, don't let people lie to you and tell you it's about, they're worried about human rights abuses in, in Iran because look what we're doing in Bahrain in order to potentially attack Iran. We're, we're helping them oppress hundreds of thousands of people on a daily basis. So, so if we really cared about human rights, we wouldn't, we would have left Bahrain a long time ago and we wouldn't be sending them weapons. Yeah, we would be in Mexico if yeah. we cared about human rights. <laughs> exactly. And, and we're being, in a, and once again, Joe, this goes back to the American public being lied to uh, systematically by the media. And, and it's a real shame. I, I think so many people say, oh, well, the Americans are stupid and they don't know what's going on. And no, it's Americans are being fed lies constantly all day long. And, and it really needs to stop. Um, it, it's a shame. Now, you were there. You're inside. You're on CNN. Now, what was it that you wanted to report on that you couldn't? What was the, the exact censorship? What Did they tell you what you could or couldn't say about it? Yeah, uh, well, what happened was once I got back from Bahrain, um, they were surprised, when, obviously, the Bahrain regime when we started airing this video because uh, we were able to sneak out with the video. They thought that they had erased all of our video. Uh, and so we started airing these stories, and at first it was great. CNN was letting us air all of these um, and that was for, uh, you know, about a week or so. It was very easy to get coverage on. But then Bahrain started calling and complaining. And their PR companies, they pay U.S. citizens and U.S. PR companies to do PR for them. Uh, the people can't afford that, but, of course, the regime can. And, um, and then uh, eventually, three months later, we finished our documentary. And we found out that it wasn't going to be airing on CNN International. It aired once on CNN U.S., but never on CNN International to the target audience which is, is the, most, uh, the most viewed English news station in the region. And so uh, we need, these people needed to see this documentary, and it wasn't airing. And, and I've had documentaries I've done at CNN that didn't air on CNN International, but this entire documentary was shot overseas. And, and what really got me was my bosses directly above me were, were dumbfounded. We, we would have phone calls and emails, and people said, I don't know why this isn't airing. I don't know what's going on. Um, my producers were very very upset. I mean, they had risked their lives to tell this story. Our sources had risked their lives to tell CNN their story. Uh, one guy who worked for Doctors Without Borders, his house was burnt down after he talked with us. And, um, wow. and yeah, I mean, and, and our, our main source in the documentary, he's in prison right now. His mom just died yesterday, and he didn't even get to say goodbye to her. Nabil Rajab, he's in prison for the next three years. And he's a peace activist who has a picture of Gandhi on his cell phone. Um, and so... All of these sources that helped us film this documentary were punished and harassed for helping CNN. And so we, we still couldn't believe why they hadn't aired it on CNN International. 
And, and so I kept getting people writing me and calling me and telling me, you need to look into this. There's something going on here. Uh, there, it's, a, it's a much bigger story. And seeing as how I don't have a family and you know I'm not tied down to a retirement plan or I, I really could give a crap about, about the money, um, I started looking into it and realizing that Bahrain's actually a paying customer at CNN. They, they are literally paying the network for programming. Uh, journalistically, I don't know if a lot of people out there listening know about journalistic ethics, but we're supposed to be watchdogs on government. We are not supposed to accept money from them. Not only accepting money, okay, that's different. If you accept money and you air a commercial, but they're actually airing hour-long programs on CNN paid for by the Bahrain regime. Not only Bahrain, we're talking Georgia, Kazakhstan, and other, uh, other regimes. And this has been going on for, for decades. And, and it bothers me because people are being lied to. So it's just paid propaganda. They yeah. get, they're, they're a programming unit for propaganda. So instead of being the news, they're, they're select pieces of information that these governments want Americans and whoever watches mm -hmm. CNN to see. So they pay them for it. Yeah, they pay Is them. Is that legal? Well, journalistically, it's, it's um, I would, if there were journalist police, I would arrest them. Uh, but it, it is legal. But is it right? Uh, because when they air some of these programs, Joe, they don't let the viewers know that that's paid for by the government. Right. When you watch like one of those wacky fake talk shows where they're selling a blender, <laughs> they have to tell you this is a paid infomercial. They have to tell you. When this, this blender guy's in his talk show showing you know, how you make cucumbers slice real easy and stuff, they have to tell you. Mm -hmm. Why don't they have to tell you that on CNN? That seems way more important than the fucking blender. Well, exactly, because it's shaping our foreign policy. I mean, they're feeding the American public this propaganda so that they think everything's rosy and happy in, in Bahrain, when really the situation there is, is horrific. And if you look at one of these programs, you can YouTube it. It's, it's called I List Bahrain. They have their host, Richard Quest. They have him live at the racetrack for a week in Bahrain, talking about how wonderful the country is and how progressive it is. Whoa. And he interviews the crown prince and calls him a reformer. And, and this is the same crown prince who was in, in power when troops shot and killed in broad daylight. These tanks just shot out into a, a crowd of protesters and just kill them in broad daylight. This is the, the prince that two years earlier, CNN was telling the public, was great, was progressive, a reformer. And, and it's not fair to the public when you watch these, the disclosures are so minimal or they're not even there. If you go on YouTube, the videos, you know, um, it, it's not fair to not only CNN's journalists, to our sources, but, but to the people watching. Because uh, they don't know they're getting propaganda. So this has been going on for decades. Decades. So for decades, we haven't had real news. We've had a mixture of some real news and some bullshit that's paid for by other countries. Yes. Oh. And we wonder why we end up in Iraq and, and Afghanistan and, and these conflicts, you know. And this there is... There it is. We're, we're seeing it now, yeah. And leaders are striving to meet international expectations for a high-profile football tournament. Europe's second largest country is so the focus of this if you look up, um, yeah, the Ukraine. I mean, they're, they're letting the Ukraine pay. Look up uh, I List Bahrain commercial, and you can watch the whole commercial, and you'll see not once in the commercial that's like progressive, fabulous, new. This week we're talking about Bahrain. You know, it never says in the commercial that this is paid for by Bahrain. And, and so it's, that's not fair to, to the people. It's not, it's not fair to viewers. No, it's just beyond creepy. How big is Bahrain? Uh, Bahrain is about the size. Uh, Bahrain is small. It's about the size of San Francisco, population-wise. 
you can't say Bahrain every Bahrain. time, right? You gotta, eventually, <laughs> you got to say Bahrain. 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 Okay. You know what I mean? It's like one of those words, like if you commit to saying it correctly every time, how do you spell it? Seems like a lot of effort. Uh, B-A-H-R-A-I-N. And, um, and also, we can, you can see a video of these protests. They're insane. You watch them, and you just see miles of people protesting. And, and then you really realize this is a true revolution they're trying to have there, but it's being oppressed by the United States. <sighs> Um, because, you know, if the people get in power, they're going to kick the U.S. out. They're very upset because the U.S. has has kept the regime in power for so, so long. So we're helping this creepy fuck by giving him a billion dollars worth of weapons. Yep. He's tear gassing people to death. Oh, yeah. Wow. And and not only that, they're systematically getting it off the, the news in the U.S. as, as what incredible. happened to me. It was it was it became nearly impossible to cut through the red tape. Well, this is stuff. really disturbing. If you had any hope whatsoever that we were going to avoid some sort of conflict with Iran, because yeah. it seems like that is just they they are dead set on it. That's why I, another reason I came forward urgently because this is about much more than Bahrain and the systematic cover-up of what's happening in Bahrain only tells you what's what's potentially going to happen in the future and and in the near future and that's uh, an attack on Iran or potentially some people if you, if you go to the far side who have really analyzed this could say this could potentially become uh, World War Three. Jesus Christ and it's yeah. all just to control <laughs> oil right all- I mean is that what it's about I mean it's just um, to control oil, and it's just this is the way they've always done it, so they're going to continue to do it this way, even though now people are paying attention finally for the first time in human history. Yeah, well, they're going to tell you, if you talk to people who are very pro-Israel, um, and, and once again, I don't have an opinion on, on any of that area. I try to cover that objectively. I've, I've covered stories in the West Bank and in Israel, but they're going to tell you that Iran, uh, Ahmadinejad said he will wipe Israel off the map. And they're going to repeat that over and over because that's their forward propaganda that they're going to start feeding to you. And they already have for years. And actually, if you go back to that speech that they're referring to, Ahmadinejad never said that. It was mistranslated. But instead, they rolled with that, and the U.S. media has continued to roll with that. Watch Aaron Burnett's show. Yeah, I've seen the, uh, the original when it's translated correctly. It's a totally different meaning. It wasn't that we were, but it, was, it wasn't nice, but it wasn't the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. I and think it was in response to if Israel attacked Iran, you know, we would wipe them off the map or something along those lines, wasn't it? Wasn't it, that it was the more of a, um, saying that he, they want the regime out of Israel. They want that government out. It, it was more uh, rhetoric than, mm-hmm. than physically, like we want to go in and, and murder you all and kill you. It was more, we, we want you to be, be kicked out of office. So we sort of uh, have equated it to like Khrushchev banging his heel, you know, saying we will bury you. Like yeah. that, that sort of a thing. That's like so. We've we've decided to run with that as the big threat. Yep, exactly. And they say if if Israel if Iran gets a nuke, they're going to send it right in and wipe Israel off the map. So that's what they're trying to use that for. And everyone needs to pay attention. It is it is propaganda. It is a forward. It's just like weapons of mass destruction. I see them now. Now that I've been in inside, I know how they start feeding propaganda. And this is exactly what they're doing with saying, well, it, well, Iran's going to wipe Israel off the map. So we need to go in and attack. And, and, and guys, I mean, this could potentially get us into a, a conflict with much uh, more permanent and damning implications than, than Iraq and Afghanistan ever, ever were. Yeah, it seems like this would be huge. This would be much bigger if we actually went into Iran. It's, a, it's another level of civilization above what was going on in Afghanistan and, and in Iraq. And there's, there's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. And, and there's no way the rest of the world is going to tolerate it. It's going to be, it's going to be chaos. Yeah. We have Russia and China to worry about as well. If we go in yeah. and, 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 
and Lord knows what could happen from there. I just hope that the American people realize that they are being fed propaganda with, with the Iran situation now, and the same people behind Iraq, same forces, are behind this push to get us in Iran. Did you see, of course you did, but what did you think when you saw the Netanyahu cartoon? When he's explaining with his fucking Wiley Coyote bomb. <laughs> you know what? I wanted to laugh, but it was it was so sad because I, I just see the logic, the the lack of logic, and how they're actually able to to get that to work. Well, it was and, crazy. It was like <laughs> yeah. he's just saying, "Okay, you guys are children, so I'm going to draw you a child's cartoon yeah. and see. I can't explain to you this. I'm going to show you on the fake bomb." That yeah. No one's ever seen a bomb that looks like that. That's a bomb from a cartoon. I mean, it's so weird that they chose that image for this, like, really ridiculous propaganda. Well, it's you know like, what that tells you, Joe? That tells you what they think of the intelligence <laughs> of the American public. That, that they think he could go up with some stupid-ass cartoon and, and try to feed us that bullshit to get us into another war. I mean, does, does he think that the American public is that... Is that stupid? Did you see the uh, lobbyist for Israel who was uh, thinly veiled trying to promote some sort of a false flag event? He was uh, talking about what we need to do. We need to have a green light to start our war with Iran. And it's Mm -hmm. just like we needed Pearl Harbor to happen for us to attack Japan. We needed the Gulf of Tonkin. He's the Gulf of Tonkin, which is a known false flag event. I mean, it's been proven that the Gulf of Tonkin, the whole thing was a a big fake story in order to get people to to be excited about going to war in Korea or in in, uh, Vietnam. And he was talking about that as if it was like some sort of an actual historical event. Yeah. Like to bring it up like that in 2012, it's either you have to either plead extreme ignorance or you've got to say that this is a thinly veiled statement that we need another false flag event because we're going to go into Iran no matter what. So let's just pretend Iran tried to blow something up and go fuck them up. And and they did try to do that in 2007. And perhaps the most hunted uh, whistleblower is not Julian Assange. It's it's a woman named Gwyneth Todd who who worked for um, in the administration. She was an advisor to the military, and she actually blew the whistle on a 2007 um, false flag event uh, where they were going to try to do exactly that. Um, that was Bush's last thing before getting out of office. They wanted to take out Iran, and she blew the whistle and potentially saved thousands of lives. Now she's in Australia hiding. Uh, oh, well, now you just gave her up. Now they know she's in Australia. Yeah. No, no. Uh, there was a story done on it. A couple stories, guys. <laughs> I'm not trying to, not trying to get her in trouble here. Um, but she, she's a real hero, and that, and that did, they did try to do that in 2007. What, what was the false flag event? That there, it's, it's funny when you say they too. Like, who exactly is it that's doing it? Like, how many people are involved? And something like this. Well, that's what worries me is because Gwyneth says that the same forces behind that and Iraq are now behind the current push to get into Iran. And I trust her because she risked everything to come forward and and reveal that and now is in hiding (laughs) in Australia. And um, I don't know all of the details about it, but I do know that they were they were going to try to make it look like um, Iran had had blown something up or uh, attacked uh, uh, one of our, our U.S. bases. I don't know exactly. L- listen to me rambling. I, yeah. if, if you look it up, it's called, um, uh, if you just look up, just look up Gwyneth Todd. How do you, and, spell, how do you spell Gwyneth? Uh, G-W-Y-N-E-T-H and then T-O-D-D. It won't even let me. It just says, do you mean Paltrow? <laughs> yeah. That's what it says. Do you mean Paltrow? Of course, you that's what would come this. up. You know. Google's trying to, trying to fucking... Yeah. But, but look her up. Um, it's a pretty, 
an unbelievable story. I tweeted about it. If you go to at Amber Lyon and scroll down somewhere down in my timeline, I tweeted about yeah. it a couple days ago. She was a U.S. senator, I guess, huh? Um, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This is uh, Patrick Leahy, a U.S. senator who uh, is, I guess, is responding to what she revealed. Yeah. And he's saying that there should be an investigation of the false flag terror plot. Yeah, and it was huge. I mean, this this was, they were going to try to start start a war with Iran with this. And this was the U.S. making up lies. And, they, and, and one thing they were going to do is use these protesters in Bahrain and make them also look like terrorists. In, in this attack had it succeeded. And it would have worked because most people haven't been to Bahrain. They don't know if these people are extremists or terrorists. How did we get to be such a nation of cunts? What, <laughs> what, what went wrong with us? Because that's not what the American people, if you talk to the average American person, they think of what is America? Well, America is about freedom. We're about yeah. you know, carving your own path. We're about... Well, how did we get to be this nation of people that are led by these really evil corporations. I mean, that's essentially what the military is. If you look at the military, it's, it's, it's something that the, the banks and the people that are in power, the people that put presidents in power, are using in order to force their corporate agenda. It's all about controlling some resource, you know, extracting mm -hmm. some resource, controlling some areas. That's all it's about. It's not, has nothing, like, whenever they call it defense, it's so offensive. Because, like, what are you defending us against? You, you're out there fucking people up. Like, it almost has nothing to do with defense. It has everything to do with offense. If you say the best defense is a good offense, well, then I, I guess maybe you can call it defense. But it's not what we think of ourselves. We don't think of ourselves as this horrific force that's destroying, you know, parts of the world in order to control its resources. We don't think about that at all. We think of ourselves, most people like to think of America as a, a fucking eagle or something, you know? We like to think of ourselves as proud people who, you know, can come here and anybody can make it and there's, there's no caste system here and you can really work hard and get ahead and how the fuck did we become this nation run by assholes? It's just, yeah. it's weird. I know, and it's, it's weird when you wake up at that moment and realize, oh my God, you've been lied to almost all of your life about, about certain things that are happening in this country. Is and it just that we have too much power? Is this, is, there's too many American military bases? There's too many areas we control? Is that what it is? Is, that, is it we're just too greedy with it? You know, I, I don't know exactly what's behind this, but, it, but I do know that, I mean, if you look at NDAA and, and things that have happened over, just I know just in my career over the past decade, I, I covered the oil spill, I've covered the nuclear industry, the, all, all the wars, and really getting into it, I, I start, the more I analyze it, the more I think we've really lost control of the country that people have. It doesn't seem to be about the people at all. It seems to be no. about having the legal means to squash any dissent any way they want. And that's yeah. in place now. Because of NDAA, which people don't understand, keep rallying against it, talking about it like, God, why are you so freaking out about this? Well, this is why. Because they can essentially throw you in jail. You can't call your lawyer. You have no trial. They can do whatever they want with you now. There is no rights anymore. It's essentially they put into law that they are just like a king. They can do what a king wants to do. Now, this Bradley Manning guy who pulled the, pulled the uh, plug on WikiLeaks and the guy who uh, distributed all the information to them, or who blew the whistle, rather, he pulled the plug. Well, um, well no, he, he, yeah. gave him, he gave him yeah. those documents. You he's, know. In, uh, he's in solitary confinement, and they've, they've had him there for years now. They're not going to do shit with him. They're just going to let him rot. You know? They're going to barely feed him and keep exactly. the lights on and let him go crazy. Good luck. You know, that's, that's yeah. America. That's America. If you, if you expose the bad things that we've done, 
we're going to do a horrific thing and literally torture you for the rest of your life. And that's torture. 24 hours a day of light. You know, no, no people to talk to. No books to read. Just, just you by yourself. Good luck. And, and that's another story. It was really difficult to cover uh, stories of leaks and, and stuff uh, while, while I was at CNN and overall in, in general uh, because of Obama's war on whistleblowers and journalists now. Isn't that amazing? When you, you think of Obama, you think of a guy that everybody thinks of as this really progressive guy. Well, he's a socialist even. You know, he's a guy who's had a single mom and was raised in a very, very moderate family, you know, didn't have money, really made his own way. Very intelligent guy, made it through Harvard. And here he is doing some of the worst shit to this, to the Constitution, to the, to the, the principles this country is founded on that has ever happened in our lifetime. And this guy's doing it. And this guy is going after whistleblowers in a way that even Bush didn't. Mm-hmm. And journalists. He, right now, he's been subpoenaing journalists for their sources. And, and he, he's gone after more journalists and whistleblowers than any other president in history, and including one journalist, James Risen of the New York Times, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. He's gone after him with subpoenas to try to get him to reveal information about his sources. As journalists... We don't give up our sources. I mean, that's the number one rule. So, in, in effect, he's turned journalism into a, a criminal behavior and turned us to, into criminals. And, and, and that's, uh, for me, that's, it's terrifying because if someone comes to me and leaks a document that's vital to the public good that we need to know about in order to fix our government, uh, then I become a target, too because they come after me. And NDAA, that's another fear. They have a fear it will be used against journalists because they will, because we're not giving up our sources, they will consider us to be aiding terrorists or terrorism and, um, and, and lock us up as well. And I think there's a, a lot of fear amongst the investigative reporters, investigative reporting community that this could happen under NDAA. So you're at CNN. All this is going down, and you're 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 realizing that your piece has been pulled from the international uh, arm of CNN. And yeah. what is uh, what is the next step? What do you do? Do you do you start asking questions? Do you try to poke around, or is it a I mean, what what kind of uh, atmosphere is CNN like when it comes to this issue? Yeah, I, I did. I I went um, on on behalf of my my crew, and I went and and made a meeting with the head of CNN International, Tony Maddox, and um, and not a lot of people do that. <laughs> uh, and my crew was was uh, I just saw the looks on their faces; they were very upset. Um, so I met with him, and he didn't give me any answers as to why it never aired. I met with him twice. And what what did he say? What was his response when you asked him why didn't it get aired? The first time he said he'd get back to me, and then he never got back to me, so I made a, an appointment months later, and at that point he questioned me as to why uh, a well-known New York Times reporter, Nick Kristoff, had tweeted about the fact that they never aired the documentary. He tweeted something to the effect of, CNN, why didn't you air Amber Lyons' I Revolution documentary, Intimidation? Um, suggesting that Bahrain had intimidated CNN into not airing it. And so he only questioned me about that in a more of a kind of condescending, you better not be talking kind of way. Uh, and then I um, eventually our unit was dissolved at CNN, so I was forced out. They dissolved our documentary and investigative unit. And, um, and I kept having this in the back of my head, like, you know, when you can't sleep at night because you know something is is going on and i didn't know how to come out and tell people about it because it's it is a very um i had to get all my ducks in a row because time warner is a very powerful enemy to have uh, against you 
Um, and, and so finally when I, I came out and I, I, just to test the waters mentally, I, I tweeted about the fact that they had, had um, censored the documentary and then right away my agent was called um, and I was told uh, on behalf of all the main executives at CNN, my agent was called and, and told on behalf of these executives you need to be quiet or you're going to lose your health insurance and your severance. And at that point when I knew that when they called to threaten me, I knew that, that I had to come out with this full fledge because because at that point it solidified that they're they're trying to cover something up and, and shut me up. Wow. It's so creepy. It's so <laughs> it it's so creepy. it's so such a movie. It's um who who would be the star of this movie? Uh, John Cusack? Yeah. I think John Cusack would be like a guy who you work with in the office. Oh, uh, that's a play me. Him, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I wouldn't offend you like that. How dare. Um, I'm thinking about who would play you. I guess you could go with Jennifer Aniston. Oprah. But she, Jennifer Aniston's a little long in the tooth for you. We need. She's still pretty hot. Long in the tooth? She is. Well, how old are you? You're about... Let me guess. Oh, Can God, I don't guess. guess. <laughs> I was going to say 28. You're, you're right. I'm 29. Oh, see? Yeah. There you go. So you're there. Jennifer Aniston's gorgeous, but she's 40. You know? That's creepy. Can't have some <laughs> she, older lady play you. It was like this... You'd watch the movie like, this bitch is not 28. What the fuck is going on? You know, I've been compared to uh, Claire Danes on Homeland. Yeah. I haven't, I've never watched that show. But I've never watched that show either. I don't know if that would work. You're a more attractive version of that really annoying chick that's in a lot of movies. For the one from the, the Doctor TV show. The fuck's her name? The one who was in the movie with um, uh, Seth Rogen where he got her pregnant. Oh. Oh, um, Catherine Heigl. There you go. Yeah. That's, she seems a little annoying. <laughs> really? Not really. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the type. It's, it's, it's not her. I'm sure she's a great person. Just the type of movies. It's always these wacky, romantic. Oh, she's got handcuffs dangling from her finger. She's a rascal. And this yeah. guy, they're not going to get together. Well, but maybe they are. <laughs> you know? <laughs> really serious yeah. plots there, you know? Yeah, they look brutal. Have yeah. you ever worked with the Vice guys? before or you know, like vice.com i am a fan of their work i i do like i like the stuff that they do i, I like their style of reporting it's very candid it's i mean they, that's been yeah. one of the suggestions it keeps coming up over and over on twitter people are like you got to get amber together with the vice guys because they can they, sneak you back in there they don't give a fuck <laughs> they'll drop yeah. you from an airplane in a parachute yeah. into bahrain yep yeah, yeah. I've, I've been trying to figure out how to go back in you there. You can't right? get back in. You're crazy. You need to stay out of there. They're going to kill you. Well, I was thinking if I if I borrowed a, a friend's passport and then, you know, shaved oh my head my or cut my, God. dyed my hair brown, but well, I don't think it would work. Well, especially Facial not if you talk about it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm letting them know exactly how I would speak in, I don't, I don't think I have a chance, guys. No, what you need is like one of those Eddie Murphy, Big Mama body things. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a full, <laughs> big, fat bodysuit. I smell yeah. sex change. Yeah, but Eddie, <laughs> Eddie Murphy, when he had that, uh, that big suit on, what movie was that? Uh... Mama's How many black know. guys have done that? God damn it. Martin Lawrence does that shit. Yeah. He's got the, the big mama, right? Isn't yeah. Martin Lawrence big mama? He, that was a good movie. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I like big mama. Let's not diss on it. But it's, okay? it's not that I'm dissing on it. I'm saying it's a weird phenomenon yeah. that these black dudes will wear these giant black woman outfits. And a black dude will pretend to be a black woman. An older black woman. It's like super common. Yeah. You know, Medea and that Tyler Perry guy. Tyler Perry, nonstop. Nonstop. Really? That's what he does. He's yeah. a guy and he pretends to be an old black woman. It's weird. But it's yeah. a black thing. I think Chris, uh, not, not Chris Rock, um, I think uh, Dave Chappelle uh, was, was talking about how strange that is once in an interview. 
It is strange. It's very strange yeah. how many versions there are of it, you know? Like Jamie Foxx in, in Living Color. Remember? He was that crazy, uh, crazy black woman. Yeah, yeah remember? I remember that. Remember yeah. that? <laughs> what was that? Uh, Shanene? Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that, was, that, was, that, was that right? I don't know. Oh, gosh. I think Never that mind. was. I think that, that was what it was. But, yeah, that's a weird phenomenon, you know? There's not a lot of, like, guys that pretend to be women. It's like yeah. Robin Williams' Miss Doubtfire was, like, the last one I can remember. What yeah. other dudes, white dudes, pretended to be women? Not that many, right? Um, Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. Um, what know. was the, the show with Tom Hanks? Bosom Buddies? Bosom Buddies. Yeah, that might be the last time. <laughs> and then there was I wonder what it is. White girls, but that was the Wayans brothers. They pretended to be girls. That's right. I don't know how the fuck we got on this tangent. I don't think that's going to work, though. I don't, we go I, from Bahrain to, 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 to you in a black, <laughs> you as a big black woman. Do you think you can do a big black woman voice? Like say, welcome to Bahrain. Why are you here? Um, oh, <laughs> what would you say? Shit, I can't even try. Um, I'm just here to check out your country, honey. <laughs> I heard you got a beautiful country up in here. I just want to go shopping. Oh, that's terrible. There's a white woman under there. Pull that rubber off. <laughs> this shit is not real. I, I speak Spanish, so oh. my, my impersonations always somehow end up becoming Spanish. Well, then you should pretend that you don't speak English. I bet they don't speak Spanish. I bet, you know, you could fucking fudge your way through the whole experience. See, uh, por supuesto. There you go. <laughs> she, was, do you, she doesn't have a voice like the way she looks. Do you find that uh, knowing Spanish, you realize how uh, perverted all the Mexicans here in LA are? <laughs> oh my God, I have the best story about that. Not only that, in so I grew up in the Midwest, so the middle of the country where no one where speaks Spanish. Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, and so I was at a restaurant there where all of the a lot of the staff speaks spanish very loudly because they know no one in st louis knows spanish and one time i'm sitting there and i'm ordering food and i hear the guys talking about my body and breasts and everything else and clearly understand it and and toward the end i let him go on for a couple minutes and toward the end i turned to them and i said ah oh, que triste que tienes una perga pequeña which really means how sad that you have a small, small penis. Thing, yeah. <laughs> and they laughed so hard. They were throwing stuff around the room. Oh, and, and, and I really got them. And, and that's kind of the way I do it. Like if I hear something, I'll turn and, and I'll just say that kind of sly to them. And then they get a laugh out of it. And then maybe know in the future that people speak their language. Yeah. Especially you know. Spanish. That's a pretty common one. Yeah. Oh, Is yeah. That, that's one of the most common second languages ever. Totally. Right? Totally. Yeah, it's got to be a weird thing to be able to just yell shit out and nobody understands what you're saying, you know? Yeah, my, my ex-girlfriend, she could speak, and she would tell me, like, all the time, like, that person just said I had nice tits while we were walking by him. But she learned after a while she wouldn't tell me for like, until, like, minutes later because I kept on getting pissed. I'd be like, what the fuck, you know, dude? You <laughs> try to get all aggro? No, i, I just become an asshole. Like, I'm going to yeah. do something. I'm going to say something. Yeah, they just, they, it's almost like they're doing it on the internet. Yeah. You know, like right. they're doing it anonymously. Yeah. They, think yeah. they're, they think they're just getting away with it. And it's not even really, it's actually the opposite <laughs> of doing it on the internet because it's only for them. You know, it doesn't even reach you. Mm-hmm. It's like them saying something cunty about you, but you can't even read it. Yeah. You see my George Washington p- picture? Right? George Washington with a Terminator gun? Halo gun. What is that about? 
this, this artist on Etsy just makes all these like like presidents like like in like crazy situations like riding horses and unicorns and tigers and stuff. It's fascinating that when you go back to uh, the Constitution and when you go back to these guys that were uh, originally starting off this country and they kind of saw the shit coming. It's really amazing. Yeah. When you really look at like the obvious patterns of corruption that people in power seem to follow over and over and over again, those guys all saw it coming. They all they all saw it coming. They they had you know they had provisions. They had it set up so you're you're supposed to protect people from that as much as possible. You're not supposed to use the military to control civil unrest. You're not supposed to use the army on its U.S. Yeah. citizens. All that was changed by NDAA. And that's another thing that a lot of people don't know. That was you're allowed to use the military now. The military can come in. The army against U.S. citizens. That's that's crazy. The whole country can be declared a battlefield. Yeah, and and that only you you only know what I mean if they're going to all of these lengths to to create the ability to do that. What what's in store when it comes to dissent? You know, I mean, did you see the photos out of Anaheim? Yes. Uh, of all the police dressed Incredible. in yeah, I was with there camouflage. Cover- you see the Walmart one the other day. They no. had like the sound canyons and everything what? like that at a Walmart protest. Some, uh, there was a protest? Yeah, I'll find it. Find it. Yeah. The, um, the Anaheim thing was weird because there was a media blackout about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, it, was, it was really ugly. Watching people wearing full military gear with camo, desert camo, walking through the streets is really unsettling. Because, first of all, why, why are they wearing fucking camo? You know, that's a, what are you, are you hiding? Are you pretending we're in Iraq? Are you reminding me that these people are, are trained killers that go to Iraq and now I'm the enemy? Is that what this is supposed to be? Am I supposed to feel unpatriotic for not giving in to what's going on here? A cop shot a kid in the back and people are freaking out. That's, everybody should be freaking out. Obviously some horrible thing happened. Everybody should be freaking out, including these people that are holding these guns, including these people wearing camo with body armor. You should be freaking out, too, because this is all America. This is all part of your community. And someone who is in a position of power made a horrible mistake. And these people want justice. And you know what? They should get it. They should should be able to feel safe. There's a a terrible gap between the way... People are in power, whether it's police officers, whether it's uh, anybody that is in a position of power. And the people that get suppressed by those people. That, that gap is a, a, a really scary thing. And when a cop is, who is in a position of power shoots a kid, and then they see no repercussions, they see a completely different reaction than if the kid had shot the cop, everybody has a right to freak out. Because we are supposed to be equal in this country. And someone who is in a position of power clearly crossed all the legal lines. They clearly fucked up. They clearly violated the relationship yeah. between the person in power and the person they're supposed to be protecting. And to see people reacting, that's the way they chose to react, by sending in the military? Whoa, whoa, that's, that's not how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it by sitting down with the community and figuring out what we can do to make sure this never happens again and to make sure that the person who did this never has the opportunity to do this again. Whether it's put them in jail, whether it's take them out of uh, office, you know, uh, fire them instantly and put them in jail, whatever it is, whatever you know, the, the courts deem the correct action. But you have to have justice. You have to have justice for everybody. It can't just be for you know people who can afford it. It can't just be for people in power. It can't just be. It, it's 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 we're in a, a weird place now. Yeah. It's a weird place. Is this what is this? This is the Walmart photos. But check okay. out uh, check out these. Uh, like that, that, that's one of those sound. Oh, an LRAD device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened? And 
they have. Look at that. That's just look how they're dressed. I mean, it looks like something out of Judge Dredd. I, I, I just, you know what that is? That's intimidation. See that? See those people? They, they're not armed. They're not. Look at that old, older man. It's, it's an intimidation tactic. I saw that when I was covering the protests in Anaheim. It's a so, way to try to make people scared to. Dismiss. So it's not that they're they're anticipating that they're going to need all that armor. They're only doing that because they want everybody to freak out that the stormtroopers are. And you're starting to see that uh, we saw it at the Republican National Convention. You're starting to see that all over the country, and that's what uh, worries me as a as a journalist. Um, Anaheim was. I mean, that guy Manuel Diaz was shot in broad daylight, so people were obviously upset. And I remember being there, and we were in the middle of the road at a march, and I looked over my shoulder. And I saw the trucks coming down the street with guys, with police officers dressed in camo. And I had to, I, it's almost like everything just came to a stop. Even the protesters, everyone could not believe what they were seeing, that these uh, officers were dressed like that for unarmed children and women and, and men who were protesting. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I, I feel a systematic uh, crushing of dissent or, or protest by, by police um, departments across the country. Was there any danger? Was, was there any looting or any rioting? I mean, what was going on that they would feel the need to bring in, in yeah. essentially, you know, uh, tanks and military? What, what is that? They were trying to head to Disneyland. So the protesters are upset. They feel like it was influenced somehow by Disneyland because they were going to march and they felt that the, you, you see them, you know, they're there on horseback. Oh, I remember I took a shot of that lady too. Um, and so they, they literally made it impossible for the protesters to march. Look, that's, that's what I saw when I was walking down the street uh, shooting photographs, and I couldn't believe it. Horses? Dudes on horses? Um, yeah. And, and look, they're carrying bokens in their hands. Those are wooden Japanese swords to hit people with. See, see that officer there? Um, not only that, they were uh, firing beanbag rounds and, and tear gas. Um, the horses have balls. eye goggles on. And right there, that's at the intersection, and they wanted to go down that intersection and turn and head to Disneyland to protest because they felt soldiers with fucking machine yeah. guns. If you I have another video, look up Tim Pool and Amber Lyon shot at by Anaheim police because we were trying to cover this, Joe, and um, and the police we had noticed kept setting up walls to keep us behind the police officers as we were covering it, so we wouldn't be there with the people uh, to see how they were being treated, also to see how they were um, being shot with these non-lethal rounds. And at one point, I was actually fired on um, by the Anaheim Police Department with less lethal rounds, but they, I was clearly standing in a busy street, and they knew, here we are. I can see something, I can see camera men over across the So we're in a, um, a busy street, and there I am right there. And that guy yells, fucking pigs. And then listen now. And see the U-Haul? Right then I stopped, and I was literally sitting there and hidden between two U-Hauls as, as rounds kept going past. He was able, smart enough to be able to scale a wall. But watch, he gets fired on again. By the way, those bullets, they're non-lethal. They could take your eye out easily. Yeah, if they, they hit you in hurt. the eye, you're dead. Not only that, if they hit you in the ribs, um, and your, your ribs go into your heart, it can kill you. If it hits you in the neck um, and, and in the head, it can crack your skull. I, I've seen it happen overseas. Jesus Christ. And this isn't just a neighborhood of, in Anaheim. People were... were uh, so they fired on you like yeah. you guys are... Like this is a war. Yeah, and I, I was hiding between the two U-Hauls. And, and I was yelling for Tim because I didn't know he had gotten away. And, and I thought he'd been hit. And so I kept yelling for him to see if he was okay. 
And then, um, and look, he's running now because they're just shooting down the streets. I mean, these poor people living in this neighborhood. Um, Jesus Christ. And, and so at this point, I come out. So and, this is just the cops doing this? Yeah, this is the police. So who are we really scared of here, the protesters or the police? Because the protesters weren't shooting at me. Um, and, and, I, and I clearly have blonde hair and a bright green shirt on and, and was shooting photos of a dumpster that had been set on fire. And, I, and finally, when, uh, after a couple minutes, I ran out and I was screaming press and, the, and they quit firing. And one of the officers looked at me and said, I was really worried about you. <laughs> and then and then he also said don't you know how to cover a riot and then he pointed back at a photographer who was behind the police line with them following the police instead of actually hanging out with the protesters like we're supposed to do as journalists we're we're, we're out there to be a watchdog on authority and protect the public and in other words that's that's what I believe they were doing is trying to keep me from being with the protesters to film their injuries as civilians and bystanders were getting hit by these these less less lethal rounds um, and, and that, that's pretty scary because they're trying to oppress not only these, these voices of dissent, but journalism and journalists. How is that possible that our, the, the system of government that we have, that the people that are in power are slowly tightening things down on us in the same age as the, inf the information uh, we're getting from the, the internet now? The, the same age of instant information, instant about anything, answers to any question, yeah. the, the distribution of information through you know, social media, through podcasts and Twitter and Facebook, it's never been greater. The, the access to information is like so instant and so, so, but yet at the same time, you have these crazy crackdowns, this crazy police state. It's almost like we're putting, turning the light on a vampire and it's shrieking. Mm -hmm. and, and reacting and showing us its true self like in this these days gone by when we didn't have the access to information when we didn't know what was going on during the Gulf of Tonkin we didn't know what was going on during who knows how many different United States ventures overseas we, we, when we didn't know, we, we had a different impression of ourselves we had a different impression of the whole system of government that we operated under we had a, is it that or is it things are getting worse? Is it that or we really do have crooks in, in office and they are acting differently than Jimmy Carter would have or Bill Clinton would have? I mean, is that what's going on? I, I think that it's a little bit of both. I, I think that it's surprising law enforcement that, oh my gosh, wait a minute, I can't just shoot at someone. Now the video is going to go on YouTube and people will know forever that I did this. Uh, so... So thank goodness for social media. It's making a lot of this stuff What irrelevant. happened with this video, this, these cops shooting at you? Um, people picked it up. RT picked it up. People criticize RT, but RT at least is covering what's happening in this country. Um, and a Why do people, people criticize RT? Um, because it's, uh, they say you know, it's state-sponsored and they're not accurately portraying what's happening in Russia. Um, but regardless, they are accurately covering what's happening here in the U.S. And, um, and, and that should have been, if you're really looking at the situation with journalism and in the U.S. and the survival and what's an important story, that should have been on all of the mainstream media outlets. Well, I mean, we were, we, were just sh we were shot at. Well, not just that. Those cops should go to jail. Like, yeah. wh what the fuck is that? Someone yells out pigs, so you start shooting them? Really? Yeah. Shooting him with rubber bullets. That's an asshole that has rubber bullets. That's all that is. That, there's yeah, no... Look at this guy getting shot right here. Get out of the street! Yeah. Oh, gosh. Back up your car! And right now he's loading a shotgun with... Um, those are um, beanbag rounds. 
It's essentially a, a lead. This is to maintain yeah. your line. And look at them. They're uh, the majority of the. So the community there is uh, more than 53% Hispanic. The police force is about 24%. This is so hard to talk so, about. I get tongue-tied. Yeah. I get baffled. Yeah. I don't know what to say. It just. It doesn't. It seems. It's like a horrible scene in a movie. It doesn't seem real. You know, when you see. This yeah, weird yeah. tightening down, this weird police state, this in, impending police state that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and worse and worse. Fucking flaming dumpsters. I mean, this is a goddamn video game. Yeah, and these guys were just, they were walking down in rows, the police, just walking through these neighborhoods. And you would see people peering out their gates, very, they're looking just horrified as, as walls of police officers um, uh, would just come through their neighborhoods and just start firing and going through uh, dark alleyways and firing. There are many times I had to scream, press, see, look at that right now. They're just walking through these neighborhoods with their guns pointed. And these are oh, elderly people and uh, right there is... Those? Um, those are beanbag rounds and yeah. then the red things are pepper balls. And what the pepper balls do, it's like a paintball but filled with, with um, um, pepper spray and, and it comes out, you know, makes it hard to breathe. The beanbag rounds, those are what worry me because those have a lead pellet wrapped around, um, uh, a pillow wrapped around a lead pellet, and they can still tear open your skin. And like we were talking about earlier, if they hit you in the chest and your ribs were to break and, and pierce your heart, you could die as well as it could crack your skull. It's killed people if it hits you in the neck. And that's why it's terrifying to be shot at like that. And you saw those people just standing in the street. And they're doing it like it's nothing. Just like it's nothing. And, and Where they're shooting at that guy when he's just standing up holding his hands. That's in fucking insane. That's insane. Yeah. A lot of pedestrians were, um, were hit or had to dodge bullets because they, they just came out to see what was happening. They saw a dumpster on fire and said, what's going on? And they would stand on the street corners and just look to see what was going on. They weren't even involved in a protest. And, is, and they were fired on. Is this how it's always been? It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like that would have happened just a decade ago. Does, I mean, does it? Was, was, was this how it was? I mean, obviously, they had to clamp down during the L.A. riots, but mm -hmm. it seems like the L.A. riots was a far more violent protest. It was, it was far crazier, and it was a, a, a huge racial divide. But even then, I don't remember seeing this. I don't remember yeah. seeing people just walking down streets, just firing indiscriminately into alleys and shooting at reporters, shooting at people that call them pigs. I mean, you, someone calls you a pig, you're allowed to shoot at them? It was, I mean, really? That's crazy. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, that has been, uh, journalistically, a lot of us have been trying to analyze whether things have gotten worse or they haven't. And um, I've just noticed myself, I've been covering the protests for a year, I've noticed things getting worse as far as the garb that police are wearing, the, the video game-like intimidation tactics, when they wear these ridiculous uniforms. To a, a couple old people in, in front of Walmart, you saw that. This is systematically dangerous for this country because what it does is it instills fear in, in people and it makes people um, scared sometimes to get out and protest. Not only that, it agitates people. Look at Anaheim. They were fine. They just had come out to get upset about Manuel Diaz and then the police show up and start firing on them. I don't know if you saw the video of the police dog getting loose on the crowd. I did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's another hard one to watch. And yeah, they were and, the, just, and the cop said that it slipped. Yeah. It lost the leash. Whoops. Yeah. Sorry, I let the monster go. On women and children. Yeah. And they were walking with their guns and just firing on people in broad daylight. No. And what did the protesters do that started? The, I mean, there was was there any violence at all that started this escalation? I, I think uh, at first it started with the police dog getting loose on the crowd. 
Um, are you talking about just Anaheim specifically? Yeah, like what did what did Anaheim do? What did the protesters do that started this escalation? Well, what happened was first the police dog got uh, released on the crowd, and then they're firing on women and children, and so that created a lot of anger. Then they went to City Hall to complain, and then the protesters didn't leave the front of City Hall. So that night, um, a I, I think a couple rocks had been thrown, or um, I know a bottle at one point came right past my head and hit the ground. So I don't know, but I didn't see who threw it. Um, but it did come from the crowd of of protesters. So so. That could have been what agitated the situation, um, but at the same time, it seems fairly minimal for what the way the escalation that you see in that video. Yeah, and and right after a bottle or rocks were thrown, I mean the a wall of officers. When I say a wall, a wall of officers just started bam, 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 bam into the into the crowd, and there were women and children. And <laughs> look at this video. Oh, so crazy. He pulls up. <laughs> yeah, sixties. So protest. crazy. It's just. Yeah. I mean, I know that Obama can't have his finger on every trigger. He can't be the one that's calling for all of this. But it just, it's so shocking for me after the, the idea that every, everybody kind of thought when this guy got into office that at least socially this was a change for the better. This was a guy who was obviously really intelligent, really like ed- highly educated, thoughtful, a great speaker, young and vibrant. And this sort of represented hope, a black guy. He's the president. It just represented like this new breath of fresh air. Like finally we got this guy in the office. This is a fucking president. My whole life I've been waiting for this guy to be in the office. And then this shit happened happens it's like it's it's uh, it's it's crazy it's it's the best evidence ever that the president doesn't really get to ever really be the president that the president is just a puppet and that's when i came to that realization because i i um when i saw that that everyone everyone had called for change and and then when i saw not only that but the historically speaking uh the democratic party has been more favorable toward journalism and journalists um and um, and to see the way he's attacking systematically journalism with NDAA and with the subpoenas um, and, and how things just really haven't changed. The only thing that's changed as we've had now uh, our, our First Amendment rights taken away from us at an alarming rate. And it kind of makes you think you really have to you really have to stop and think you are not being an extremist in your views and you're not out there to really logically put things together, put the pieces of this puzzle together and realize that we don't have control of this country anymore. It's, it is a, a nicely dressed dictatorship. That's what it's like. It's, a, it's got a cute costume on. It's got this costume on it, but if you look at the rules, the rules are essentially a dictatorship, with NDAA especially. That's just... Once you become, I mean, yeah. Julian Assange is essentially just did what a journalist is supposed to do. I know there's a lot of people that are confused about what he did. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of misinformation about his releasing of names of people that were undercover. That's not true at all. If you, if you look at what he actually did, what he actually did was release some horrific facts. And that's supposed to be what journalism is about. Journalism is supposed to be holding people accountable Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to have this distorted perception of what we're doing overseas. So we actually can see the horrific nature of of these crimes. I mean, they're they're fucking war crimes. They're they're horrible things. And it's a daily, day-to-day thing. And all of a sudden, it was thrust into the public eye. But it wasn't by the New York Times. And it wasn't by the Washington Post. It wasn't by the Boston Globe. It was by this one freaky dude with white hair. You know, and so it was really easy to call this guy an enemy. It's really easy. And that's what they've got him labeled now. He's an enemy of the state. 
They have him labeled as an enemy of the state. But you look at his actual actions. There really has been nothing horrible, even if he was a United States citizen. There's nothing he did. He, what he did, if he was a United States citizen, would essentially be patriotic. What he did was expose the bad elements of, of our government so that the good elements could clean up the mess. Because when you find a cop that's doing something illegal, you find a cop that's selling drugs, you don't, it's not, you're not supposed to bring that up and expose that and then you go to jail for being an enemy of the state. No, it's supposed to be you have exposed a corrupt part of our system. Thank you very much for doing that. We got them now. We arrest them. Like on CSI or in some fucking movie, they would arrest them and throw them in jail. But in the case of the U.S. military, in the case of the U.S. military, we're, we're completely beyond that. We're completely beyond any accountability. They're completely beyond any any exposure of any sensitive information that they don't leak themselves is thought to be treasonous. It's thought to be a, a crime against the state. And that's a sickness. That's a real sickness. You are, there is a bunch of crazy fucks in power that are treating us the same way a king treats his, his, his disciples. It's really the same thing. If you can't release clear video that shows something wrong, that has not been addressed and that people did not know about and something that was going to make people reconsider the way they, they think about the military, reconsider the way they think about what, what it is to have your own children over there as, as soldiers doing these things. Like, what are we really doing? If you look at that collateral murder video, that's a disturbing fucking video and that's a good video for everyone to see because it lets people know the truth. It lets people know this really happened and your government did not want you to know about it and they tried very hard to keep this information from you here's a bunch of other shit that really happened i mean with each passing thing that they release it becomes more and more obvious how corrupt this entire system is from lobbyists to special interest groups to being beholden to corporations to get into control to controlling natural resources in different countries it's it's a giant money grab i mean that's all it is and anybody that steps in and tries to fuck the money grab up is a terrorist Exactly. And that's what's so terrifying about NDAA. And that's what has journalists concerned and, and whistleblowers concerned. And, and, I, and I love, Joe, that you guys talk about whistleblowers and hold them in the light they should be, uh, the light that should be shown on them. And that's that they're heroes. We need them. We need them to point out the broken parts of the machine so that we can fix those parts one by one and, and keep the machine going. Yes, the machine needs to be going. It's not like the, we want to overthrow the government. It's not. We just don't want it to be corrupt. Exactly. It's amazing that that is, that that is controversial. In 2012, with the amount of access to information that we have, we, we should have evolved much further as a civilization. If we had more whistleblowers, we would, because they'd be able to do what, what I've done with CNN, and I said that this isn't right. Look what they're doing. As a viewer, you should know when you're watching this, it's state-sponsored. It's just a little thing that will help enlighten some people. We need that information. It's power. And overall, overwhelmingly, Americans are amazing, positive people. Who, who are able to make a difference and would be horrified if they knew of some of the things that are happening in the military and in these corruptions. And that's why they're going to such great lengths to keep people from coming forward. But Amber, we, we why do that. you hate America? Yeah. <laughs> why do you hate America? <laughs> I know. Well, that scares me too. Do you ever too. hear that? Do you ever hear that kind of talk? Does people, do, do you get that? Um, I, I do. And I, and I also get the... Uh, what was that? Something fell. Oh, geez, you guys are scared. Someone knock on the door? I don't know. It's the government. All of a sudden, we all get arrested on, on video. That'd be awesome. Hopefully, the cops are UFC fans. I, I, yeah. Get them, <laughs> get them tickets if you don't shoot us. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> I love how we laugh about that. Yeah. But um, do you worry? I, I do worry, and I've had I've actually had hundreds at this point of emails, mostly from Alex's folks, worried about my safety. And, yeah, they just want to um, fuck you. <laughs> Trust <Thanks>. me. <laughs> yeah, I'll come be your personal Ma'am, bodyguard. I'm worried about your safety. Lucky I have body armor specifically for your size yeah. in my compound. There's plenty of food. We could live underground for six months. That's how long it takes for the radiation to die down. Yeah, I have had a lot of uh, bodyguard offers. Yeah? I, yeah. Nice. So maybe that's why I'm getting that. But uh, I, I know there is a feeling in the journalist community now that, especially with NDAA, that we are scared that one day there's going to be a knock on the door. And you're going to get arrested. Yeah. And you're going to get taken away. And you can get detained. And you can get detained indefinitely. And that's, uh, that's the law now. You don't, have to, you, don't, you don't have the rights that you had just a year ago. And for pe- people need to wrap their head around that. Like you, it's not innocent until proven guilty. It's, there's none of that. It yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Like That's gone away. And that's not what we think of when we think of this country. We think of the Constitution. We think of all the rights that we're endowed with. We, we, we don't understand that that's gone. You know? I know, and, and people don't, people, like you said, or just why are you talking about NDAA? Well, it, it's so terrifying because this is now, I mean, come on, let's get to it, the, the black and white of it. What, what's a terrorist anymore? Yeah. Nelson Mandela was called a terrorist, Martin Luther King. I, I mean, now you can use terrorists to pretty much to try to take out any of your enemies or anyone who is, is maybe an investigative reporter or a radio show host who's against what the government's doing. And and that is so scary for so many of us. I love it when they became insurgents. Yeah, like, what's, what's going on now? <laughs> How did someone become an insurgent? You know, yeah. you know, you're not the enemy anymore. They're insurgents. They're doing battle with insurgents. Like, what, what is an insurgent? I don't, I don't, know I don't even know. Is. I'm a journalist. I don't even know what the hell it it's, is. But it became sort of a, a word that was forced into the vernacular. It's like that. All the, I never used that word insurgent my whole life. I went 39 <laughs> plus years without <laughs> yeah. using the word insurgent. And then all of a sudden it's just being tossed around on the news every day. And I'm like, where the fuck did that word come from? Never yeah. even heard of it before. It's just a cute way of saying, you know, some dudes we're going to shoot, you know, some yeah. people that are angry at us, the enemy, whatever it is. Um, what, do you, what else did you see that you thought was uh, being censored or downplayed? How, I mean, how much of WikiLeaks was, uh, uh, how much of that was, was, you know, censored over there? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how much I can, it, it's just, I, I feel like I could talk about all of this forever, but this is really one of the first times I'm, I'm talking about the WikiLeaks issue. Um, but that was, that was another hands-off kind of red tape story as well. And, um, and that, that was, uh, that was, it was difficult to get coverage of that, um, especially with any type of leaks. This is what's happening now. If someone comes forward with a leak to the mainstream media, um, now, because of Obama's subpoenas, they have to analyze the legal aspect and whether they're willing to pay, pay the money if it's potentially subpoenaed. And so that makes stories more expensive uh, when it comes to leaks. Also, a story that I saw uh, that was very difficult to cover was, I see you have a mask over there, anonymous. Yeah. Um, that became really difficult to cover because pretty much at this point, the FBI came out last year in um, last winter and, and talked about how they feel uh, cyber terrorism is, is one of the biggest threats to the country. And in, in that speech, Robert Mueller also mentioned, uh, he threw in a line about script kiddies and people working on computers in their, or in their parents' basements, which pretty much meant he was referring to anonymous. So, so journalistically, that became, if you cover anonymous, you have a chance of getting subpoenaed because the federal government is against anons. And so it became very difficult to cover that story as well and, um, and became 
uh, more of an analysis on whether we are able to spend the legal money than whether the story is journalistically important. I think the anonymous story is is very important because we can't allow the federal government to come out and just call people terrorists or say cyber terrorists cyber terrorists or try to instill fear we need to know there's a mask the guy fox mask uh we need to know we as journalists we need to be able to talk to these people to see what they're really all about we all know now we can't trust our government to tell us who our enemies should be we need to know as journalists we need to be able to go and talk to people even down to al-qaeda we need to be able to get in and talk to these individuals what could possibly be the justification and on the side of the government could could they be like we have to do this to protect people could they be thinking that we have to clamp down on all these rights in order to ensure the the safety of the united states i mean what what the fuck or they or they just look we're corrupt we're just corrupt yeah. this is how we do it we're just assholes this i think is just it's how intimidation it. you know or or it really lets you know whose agenda they're they're on like if you look at the situation with the fbi going after anonymous and spending those kind of resources on on anonymous wait a minute why aren't you going after the bankers here why are you spending these resources doing these elaborate missions to to try to crush hackers who the majority of them are actually on human rights missions and aren't even hackers they're just disseminating information on the internet and that's when i knew that that was another thing because they'd hit some corporations and so as it's like, okay, so they're going after Anonymous because the corporations are controlling our, our law enforcement decisions. I mean, that was the black and white of the situation. Why aren't they going after bankers? Why are they going after Anonymous? And, and that's why it's so important for us as journalists to be able to get in and, and, and talk to these individuals. I wonder how they justify it at the highest level. I really would, I would love yeah. to see the meetings. When, when they get together and draft something like the National Defense Authorization Act, I would love to see what the, the, the conversation is like. When you like, what do you want to put in there? Oh, we would fucking lock them up like, for whatever, yeah. for whatever, for anything. For you want to just put for being an enemy of the state? Yeah, enemy of the state. That's good. That's good. Enemy of the state, <laughs> which is such vague you know, terminology that you can use it for a journalist, a guy like Julian Assange, because Julian Assange is with WikiLeaks and not with the New York Times. If Julian Assange was with the New York Times, the New York Times released all those WikiLeaks documents, mm. it would have been a very different story. But because he's in this WikiLeaks, what the fuck is a WikiLeak? It's connected to Wikipedia, which is sort of silly as it is, not completely reliable, you know? So it's sort of this we easily it's dismissed it's not the new york times new york times has been around this is a new thing because it's a new thing we can say it doesn't count like you can't have new journalism it doesn't it doesn't exist only the stuff that already is here because we've got that shit under wraps so because it wasn't with the new york times then all of a sudden this guy can be labeled an enemy of the state i mean could you imagine i mean it would be a very different reaction if the new york times printed that and the government went after the new york times and called the new york times the enemy of the state then people would have to go whoa like, what's going on here? But because it's WikiLeaks, they should have, yeah. everybody should have. Every journalism, uh, every, every, every person that cares about true p- principles, every journalist should have stand, stood up and, I mean, it should have been the front page of every newspaper. It should have been like, this can't happen. This is why it can't happen. This is why we need people to watch after the government. We need, we need people to make sure that all, you can't just trust the government to look out for the good of the people. You need people watching them. And that's what journalism has always been about. It seems like that's what that guy's doing. It seems, it doesn't seem like he's doing anything different, but yet he's hiding in a fucking embassy in London now. And they're circling the house trying to figure out how to get him out. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's really weird. 
because essentially they're saying, I mean, they're talking about going in. They've talked about going in several times. But essentially they're saying that the, the rules are bullshit. Like, we, we pretend there's rules, mm. but there really are no, no rules. You're, you're, what is it? A consulate? An embassy? Look, dude, it's a fucking house. It's right there. The guy we want's in there. We're going to go and get him. And that's really what's happening right now. And he's just, they're just waiting him out. He's in there for months, waiting him out. And they've succeeded. And, and their main goal in all of this was to distract it's a PR tactic. Let's distract, distract, distract. And they've succeeded. They've distracted from the actual leak. And now it's become more about Julian and him hide, having to hide in the embassy and, and these um, you know, accusations out of Sweden. And it hasn't become about what we really should be looking into. And that was the leak and how we can, can fix that in the future so, so that uh, horrific situations of civilians getting shot by U.S. troops don't, don't happen again. But, but we're not focusing on that now because we're too busy focusing on where's Julian now, and, they, and that's what they want, and, and they've succeeded. And the fact that they're putting so much attention, emphasis, and focus on this one guy, and that they're doing it because he had surprise sex with someone, really? I mean, it's not even, they're not even calling it rape. I mean, it's not, he's not a murderer, he's not an armed robber. He's someone who had consensual sex with someone, and then, then there's some, like, weirdness that went on i don't know what it was but it's whatever it was even if he was guilty of it it doesn't seem like it's nearly enough to warrant this kind of attention i mean this is fucking crazy if we had to go over every guy who did something creepy sexually and we had to you know send a fucking army after them i mean that's that, that's never happening that's not that's not gonna happen this is it's bullshit and it but it's the most obvious bullshit it's like it's so thinly veiled. It's insulting and in how ridiculous it is. If you look at them like the, Julian Assange standing out on his little balcony and yeah. he can't leave the embassy and you go, why is he there for? And then you find the actual thing that they're going after him. You're like, what? wait a minute, what? That's crazy. Like mm -hmm. this is what they're using? They're, some weird sex thing that he did in Norway or Sweden or whatever the fuck, where was it? Norway? Uh, Sweden. Sweden. Uh, and you know, uh, they're also trying to send a message with that to journalists like myself and others is, is look what's going to happen to you if you, if you leak the leaks. <laughs> and, and, and that's what they're doing, too. It's, it's a systematic way to try to prevent people from leaking information about corruption. But th those leaks are vital to the survival of whatever ounce of democracy we have left in this country. And we need leaks. We need whistleblowers. They're heroic. They're fantastic. If something is happening... In, in your corporation that you know is is violating the public good, you should leak that information too. Because if no one knows what's happening, we can't we can't fix it. A true patriot is supposed to be someone who protects against enemies, both domestic and foreign. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be the idea. Is that it's not that we can't have foreign people that we love and that are allies, and it's not that we can't have domestic people who are truly our enemies. I mean, and. Anybody who's trying to turn this country into what it's becoming, when you see these fucking soldiers walking down streets, when you, you read the language in the NDAA and you go, who fucking signed this? Like, how did this get through? Huh. That's the enemy. There's, there's an, and whether, the, whether or not that enemy, I don't, know, I don't know if it's on the political side, I don't know if it's corruption, I don't know if it's incompetence. I mean, they say that no one ever reads any of those fucking bills anyway, that they're too long. They say that if the Congress really read everything that they sign, mm -hmm. it would be physically impossible. Like, they would have, like, if you talk to them about what's in things, like, there's a lot of them that, that don't, they, they can't read it. They can't. And you know? that's, that's where journalists failed and journalism failed because we should have had a, a tremendous amount of reports on NDAA and really a lot of more people raising hell about it, um, but it's been censored by the mainstream media. And, and so 
uh, Congress reacts to pressure. If the public doesn't pressure Congress not to sign the NDAA, then then they're, then they're going to sign it, and 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 that's what happened. God, it's so weird. It's a, it's just you 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 look towards the future, and I have young children. I have a, a two year old and a four year old, and I look at what their life is going to be ten years from now, twenty years from now, and if if things keep clamping down the way they are, mm-hmm. it's it's a fucking horrific mess. And it seems to be, if you look at the amount of money we're spending overseas, and if you look at the incredible military budget, I mean, it's just astounding how much mm-hmm. money. It's not a lack of resources that we have. It's just how those resources are being allocated. Those resources are being allocated in these really weird ways. Is it because we just need, in order to keep our lifestyle, we need to control these, these natural resources, whether it's in Iran or whether it's in whatever it is that we need to do in other countries? Is that really what's going on? Is it to protect our lifestyle here? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I definitely know this is not the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, there's got to be a better way for the whole system to be run, unquestionably. And it seems like it's almost like there's like like they're conceding that it's out of control. So in conceding that it's out of control, they're like, look, we got to fucking take away their rights. We got to make sure that yeah. we can take their computers. We want to be able to just fucking to take all their money out of the bank. We can do that whenever we want. We can just say, you don't have any money, money anymore. Now it's all ours. We got to be able to figure out how to stop some Arab Spring type shit from happening here. And this is how to stop it. Stop it where we make essentially doing whatever we want legal. Mm-hmm. So... All shit that should be completely illegal because they wrote some things down and some asshole signed it that didn't read it, then what's horrific now becomes law. Yeah, and it's uh, and I think it they want people want you to think it's out of control, but this is very systematic. That language in the NDAA is very systematic. The crackdown on dissent in this country is very systematic, and the crackdown on journalism who could expose the dissent. Is, is systematic, and the fact that this stuff is not airing on all these mainstream outlets that are connected to all these corporations and, and governments is systematic. So they make make it appear to be more chaotic than it is, but but it really is a systematic crackdown on on dissent and and people who are are criticizing uh, the government. The average person who works eight hours a day, who has a mortgage, bills, car lease, things to think about, relationship troubles. Do they even know what the fuck is going on? Does what percentage of the population is waking up? I, I'd say it's it's small, but it is there is an army of people waking up, um, I, and I know that from after going on Alex Jones' show and, and the response I got after that, I I was really relieved. I said, okay, I'm not shouting alone. <laughs> there are people out here that see what's happening, but at the same time, you know, I'll, I'll then go and talk with. Uh, my family living in the Midwest, and, and they're not aware of what's happening. They're they're busy watching uh, Real Housewives of Orange County, or you know. Or they'll say something like, "Well, they're over there fighting for our freedom." Yeah, which, or or just yeah, the propaganda. They'll just recite the propaganda that they've been fed. That's one that hurts. They're over there fighting for yeah. our freedom. That one fucking hurts. That hurts my brain. It it's just, it just hurts. It hurts when you mm-hmm. see the caskets that they're not allowed to photograph. It hurts when you hear people that have lost friends loved ones you run into people that have no legs that come back from iraq and you're like for what for what what are they doing this for really this is the only way to do it this is the best way to do it where's that money going billions and billions and billions of dollars a month i mean it's somewhere around six to seven billion dollars per month it's costing us 
it's insane. It's insane when you think about if if that money could be turned on just just helping the United States, just helping the poor community of the United States, trying to figure out alternative fuel sources, mm-hmm. trying to, I mean, just putting it to, it's like there's a stranglehold on the way things are run now and the, the, the money that's being extracted with the way things run now has such incredible power over our lives. It's really amazing how small groups, relatively small groups of people, if you stop and think about the actual amount of people that are involved in oil corporations, the amount of people that are involved in government, and you compare it to the whole world, it's, a very, it's relatively small. But that relatively small group of people has this insane effect on our day-to-day lives and the future of humanity, the future of literally the human race. Because if we are the biggest superpower in the world, if, and that's what we are. I mean, there's never been anything like the United States. Rome was never even fucking close to as crazy as we are. We have military bases in over 100 countries. And there's a lot of people that don't know that. And... This is all falling apart right before our eyes, and it's all crumbling right before, and it's all going down like a crazy fucking movie, like some crazy apocalyptic movie. It's going on right before our eyes, and most people are just stuck in traffic. They're just listening to some fucking Kanye West song, can't wait to get home to watch the latest Kim Kardashian show, and it's, it's, we're... We are fucking strange. And it's been set up that way. I mean, the more ignorant people are, the more you can get away with. And and look at our programming, our television programming. It's I, I was talking with some producers the other day who've been trying for years to feed these networks intelligent programming and, and hardcore news shows and, and shows to educate the public. And instead they said a, a show about some people catching alligators in swamps was approved. So this has been a systematic over it's a good the years. Show, though. You're watching yeah, that show? it is a great show. Good show. Uh, but over the years it's been a <laughs> <laughs> or this one here. Oh, Honey Boo Boo. Honey Boo Boo, yeah. Yeah. It's or been a Bigfoot systematic. Hunter. That's my Bigfoot show. Hunter? Okay, I haven't watched finding that. Finding Sasquatch. Or and Finding Bigfoot, rather. Dude, I'm not going off on these shows, but we need, we need some educational <laughs> programming. Okay? We do. We do. Um, we, we need a better system. We need, need a better system, not just of government, but of life. You know, there's, there's too many people in this world that are living these really horrible, unfulfilling lives. And I don't think that's necessary. I, I think... There's too many people out there that are uh, in what feels to them an unproductive, unsatisfying cog in a wheel. And uh, all of that leads to this feeling of detachment from the events of our world. And we sort of allow the people that are in the positions of power to manipulate these great masses of people. I mean, I've always said that the idea of a, a country is really kind of ridiculous at a certain point. If it's not ridiculous today, it's ridiculous 100 years from now. The, the interconnectedness of human beings through technology is eventually going to make the ideas of physical ba- uh, boundaries and barriers where you can't go over there because this dirt is controlled by these people, but you can't go. It's, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's, eventually, we're going to have to accept the idea of a world community. And... Uh, when when you think of the the future and you think of what a, a world community community would be like, one thing's for sure is you're not going to be able to control all those people. You're not gonna. They're gonna have to. It's people are going to have to be served by 
by by the notions and, and then the the beliefs that they have by by the ideas of community by the ideas of sharing the ideas of making and enhancing each other's lives the idea of of having a real community of human beings on this one planet Instead of these ridiculous little teams that we're on, whether it's fucking I hate Texas because I'm from Oklahoma or, you know, the United States, England can go fuck themselves. You know, it's, it's at a certain point in time, we're going we're gonna to connect to each other to the point where we realize we are really just one giant community. And if we're one giant community, we can't get led by these one people that have more ones and zeros that want to send giant metal killing machines to places we've never been because there's minerals there or because there's heroin there or because there's oil there or because there's whatever the fuck it is. That's not going to work anymore. It's going to get to a point in time where that's not going to work. And I think that's what this big clamoring for taking away rights is all about. I think the writing on the wall is that the the internet, the internet is changing the game. It's changing humanity. It's changing... We, I don't even think we even realize when, when history looks back and they look at 1993, 94, whenever AOL started, when they look at that to now, and that is a crazy change in the way people look at the world. In just, uh, just, just by access, just access to each other, just the ability to communicate with each other and find out there's other people that think like you, find out there's other people that are scared and confused, and find out there's other countries that are taking over their, their country. They're taking it back, and they're fighting against corruption. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the United States sees that and goes, fuck this, start cutting cords. You need to, we need to be able to cut the internet. We need to be able to shut off people's cell phones, which is the latest Apple. Thanks a lot, Apple, you fucking twats. This ridiculous new thing that they've done where they've made a third-party option yeah. so that someone can turn off video cameras. So all co- cops have to do... You should be suspicious that yes. you can't take your battery out of your, your iPhone. You should Why, be, why right? can't you take your battery out? I've always wondered that. Well, because it's supposed to be a larger battery. If, if, you, if you have a smaller battery, if it's, a removal, if, if it's removed, you have to have a, a housing and a place where it attaches, and that, that space is all used up. But and really, you can with have all the money Apple battery. has... You know, um, I, I've just heard a lot of people within the security community and train of thought that, that, that right now are speculating, why can't you take your battery out? Well, if you can't take your battery out, then your GPS can never shut off and you can never... I've, I've had meetings with sources where I've had to throw my, throw, literally throw my iPhone out the window because they Whoa. said they wouldn't talk to me if I had an iPhone with me because there's no physical way to shut that phone off. So if anyone was monitoring me, there, there'd be no way if I had that phone in my presence to, to keep it off. It's really creepy that Apple decided to include that. The ability of a third party to shut off your video camera remotely. And they say, well, they, yeah. well, hey, it's for concerts. It's for guys like you, Joe Rogan, to do your comedy. We don't want anybody recording. That's not what it is. <laughs> there he does. It's to stop dun, Anaheim. Dun, dun. Yeah. Can't shut that up. Look at John. Sex. Brian loves it. He loves it, though. He doesn't care. You're like, he's like, yeah. dude, track me. He makes love to that phone. The phone is sexual to him. I, I've put, um, I've had to put post-its over my, my camera, camera on my phone and on my, my laptop. Oh, absolutely. When I see this sir, the software that they have, uh, one of my friends who is a um, is very savvy with knowing so- software and hacking and stuff, um, has shown me programs where they can install it on your laptop and someone can get in and they can control your camera so they can monitor you all the time. Oh. They can they can literally if you have a Wi-Fi connection they can go in and suck your information out of your laptop through the Wi-Fi and send it to another computer. I mean, all this stuff has been going on for years, you know, but I, it didn't ever really hit me in my head. And I said, gosh, how many times have you? Had your laptop open when maybe you haven't been dressed or other things, you know. So, so now I put a have... sticky, sticky note over my laptop uh, 
uh, camera. They're, yeah, they're going to be completely grossed out by me, though. Yeah, it's me <laughs> yeah. just me beating off. Yeah, nonstop. I had a, a friend who was hired uh, by corporations to hack into computers, um, and he he said one one guy he hacked into his computer and he has he was recording the video off his computer camera and he has all these videos of the guy picking his nose and doing other things uh, that nice. men tend to do in front of their their computers. Uh, computers. I'm not going to say wow. what it is, but you so can he assume. Made videos of this guy beating off. Yeah, and, and he actually brought this stuff to him as, as part of his, you know, look what we have on you now, reveal the other information. Um, wow. Yeah. So just so you know, I would what put was a this sticky guy? note. What was the guy doing? Like, what, was the, what were they so interested in him for? Well, well, um, it, was, it had to do with a, a legal dispute with a law firm, but something to know is that, um, you know, is that anyone can access your computer at any time, so to be... Wow. So, start, so we should start shaving a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> or, so crazy. And how long has this technology been available? Oh gosh, for years. We're just anytime I, I figure anytime you find out about security technology or hacking technology, it's been out for years. Yeah. Sometimes like, decades. It's like your mom finding out about the iPad or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy and scary. How many people do you think that they've done that in lawsuits and stuff like that way? And people just shut up about it because they have photos of them <laughs> in front of the computer. Well, I think that's what's so scary for people about this new NSA facility that they're building. Yes, you know, that together. was the next thing I wanted yeah. to talk to you about. Out of Bluffdale, Utah. If yeah. anyone wants to take a vacation for your civil rights, that's where you should go. <laughs> you know. Tell everybody what that is. Uh, they're building a $2 billion domestic spying facility. Uh, to, to literally gather your information and, and your communications. And most people say, I always hear this over and over, well, I'm not doing nothing wrong. You know, it doesn't matter if they're monitoring me. It does matter because they're going to have a file on you for your entire life of communication. So say one day you do something that upsets someone or say potentially uh, uh, potential employers hack into this database. Okay, so we want to find out what Joe's been up to over the years. Well, we see, based on his phone GPS records, that he tends to uh, visit the casino too much. So we don't want to hire him. Or we also see he's not religious. Or we see that, you know, he's been visiting an oncologist. And he potentially has cancer. So we don't want to, we don't want to hire him for those health insurance reasons. It is dangerous to allow the government to collect this kind of information on its citizens. Any of that information can be used down the road to blackmail you or keep you from whistleblowing or as a journalist keep me from leaking a story or keep me from even having the story in general because they know, know what track I'm on. Do you think there's a way that they can ever stop everything from being public information? Because it seems to me that that's the trend. It seems yeah. that privacy is slowly eroding and it doesn't seem to just be like one group of people that has access. It seems to be that there's going to be a point in time where everybody's going to have access, that technology is going to really, it's going to bypass boundaries. There's going to be no boundaries anymore. Yeah, we're almost getting to that point. I know uh, as an investigative reporter now, we kind of, a lot of us do things the old-fashioned way. We write things in notebooks now or, or wow. just remember things because... We can't, I can't trust, ah, oh, I just dropped it. Well, now it's broken. Um, your, son, your tracking device? Yeah, I can't, I can't trust my tracking device, and I can't, I can't trust that, that this hasn't been hacked into. Or um, Do you have an Android phone because you can take the battery out? Yeah, I got rid of my iPhone specifically because of that, because I went through six iPhones. Yeah, that's on? Think about it. Uh, I went through six of them uh, because of those reasons. I'd meet really? resources. They said, "What well, you have to get rid of that phone or, um, you know, I had weird things um, 
So I, yeah, I don't, I, I use the Android system now. You are living a very non-stereotypical 29-year-old girl's <laughs> life. This is really yeah. crazy. You're, you're like in a crazy movie. I mean, you're, you're going to foreign countries and exposing things and removing cell phone batteries and you're worried about being spied on, covering your, your, your lens of your laptop. Like, what a weird world we live in. What a weird world you live in. <laughs> I know. It is strange, but that's, I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's the way it's become, the reality it's become for us journalists. I even know journalists now who are contemplating leaving the United States. Wow. And going mm-hmm. where? Where would you go? I, um, I, I don't want to say. Really? Yeah. You want to keep it on the DL? Yeah. I'll tell you where I'm going. Where? Vancouver. Vancouver. I, British Columbia. Montreal, Vancouver. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people. Montreal's cold. Yeah, Vancouver I know. Vancouver doesn't get that cold. A source of mine in a documentary I'm doing um, went to Canada. You know, a lot of people are uh, people in that are planning where they're going to go if things get really bad would say Canada. Um, Toronto's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I love Canada. I want to know what her secret spot is, though. She's not... It's Why like are somewhere you, wait, stalker boy? No. <laughs> when the apocalypse hits, you can't live with her, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need any bodyguards. I don't need... No, uh, I, I don't... You know, because I haven't, I, I've been thinking about it and I, I don't quite know, I don't know. I, I think for me, it's almost too much to handle mm-hmm. the thought of having to leave. Right, right, um, right. But for especially investigative journalists after the NDAA passed, that's a reality for all of us. Yeah. Because we're going to piss people off in the government. So how are they going to come after us? You know? Um, and, and why did you pick Canada? Why, why was that your, uh, your choice, Vancouver? I love it up there. Yeah. I go there all the time. I do a lot of gigs in Canada. I'm probably more popular in Canada than I am in America. Mm-hmm. Like podcast, the podcast is, we're regularly in the top three in the iTunes in the comedy section in America, but in Canada, we're regularly number one out of all the podcasts. It's weird. Yeah. We have a crazy following in Canada. We were just in Toronto. I did Massey Hall in Toronto. It was amazing. It was crazy. The fucking people are so nice. There's 20% Lens douchebags up there. <laughs> the, the streets are way cleaner. Everything's cleaner. You see people like sweeping up and cleaning things. Mm-hmm. They're just, it's a better country. It's, it's, they're not greedy assholes. It's a completely different vibe. The way you interact with people, they don't have the same expectations as Americans do. They don't have the same, the same point of view, the same arrogance. It's a, just a completely different vibe. It's like someone took America and said, you gotta, we kind of remove some of the cuntiness out of Americans and try, let's try another civilization. Let's try this, this civilization that's not trying to overthrow the world. They think, look the same. They talk the same. I think I'm going to escape to North Korea. I think that's the go-to move. Yeah, it's good. Get over there. <laughs> Why North Korea? Go Korea. now. He's being silly. <laughs> yeah, that's a, there's another place if we really cared about human rights. Why aren't we in Mexico and North Korea? Those are two places exactly. where we really would be uh, cracking down. And that's why everyone needs to wake up because we're being led into a war with Iran. I, the writing's on the wall. And mm. it's Iraq number two. And instead of this time, it's with Iran. And Iran has some pretty tough allies um, in China and Russia. And, and the American public is being fed BS, and, and we're being led into Iran by the same forces that led us into Iraq. And we need to wake up because it's, it's, it's going to happen soon. And, um, and because we, I mean, all you have to do, this is everyone's test. Just turn on, turn on the news, the mainstream outlets, CNN, ABC, CBS, um, Fox, and you're going to see a constant demonization of Iran. Not that they don't deserve it, but based on everything happening here, it's, it's absurd. What do they deserve it for? If I... Iran is doing anything bad, what is it? 
Um, I, I think that, you know, uh, you have Ahmadinejad who doesn't have traditional Western beliefs when it comes to homosexuality. And also, um, you know, there is a beef they have with Israel. That being said, what he's been doing is rhetoric. He's been talking. Okay. We don't just go and attack every single leader because of their, their insane rhetoric, or we would be in every country, including Mexico. Uh, and we're not. And so, so now you have to sit back and now that you can pull yourself away and first step to recognizing what's happening is, is to know that you're being fed propaganda. And once you know that, then you can stand back and you can analyze it intelligently and realize, I mean, look at the movies we have coming out. Argo, you think that is just coming out randomly? What is that? I saw it's a Ben Affleck movie. I saw a yeah, billboard. I have it, no idea what it is. It's on a hostage situation that's going on in Iran. I mean, look at the timing of that. Call me a conspiracy theorist. I think this is systematic. I think the public is systematically being fed fear of Iran. But how is that? Is Ben Affleck a CIA agent? I mean, what, how does that work? It is, Isn't um, it his movie? It's, it's that uh, uh, Americans were uh, taken hostage in Iran. Mm -hmm. And so it, so, and in the end, maybe it's a heroic movie, but in the end, you also feel you have a fear of Iran. It's mm -hmm. going to put a fear of Iran in everyone that goes and sees that. Um, and, uh, but do you think that's a government plot? Or do you think that's just a, you know, a movie I, that they thought would be uh, timely? I mean, maybe they, maybe they thought that. But regardless, it, it's going to have an effect of, of people that leave that theater are going to have more of a fear of Iran uh, instilled in them. At a time where the news is constantly demonizing Iran, at a time where we're about to potentially approve military action on the country. And Iran, contrary to popular belief, the, the youth of Iran are very westernized in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And they are not happy with the way that their country is portrayed. They're not happy with, with the, the whole situation, the situation of uh, you know, the way Iran treats uh, its, uh, its foreign policy. The, the, the young people there, they're very Americanized. There's a lot of that going on there. Yeah. You, know, you see them in the universities and you see the, the different protests that they have over there. It's really strange to think that you, uh, by a shitty roll of the dice, could have been born there. I could have been born there. Mm -hmm. And we could be a part of this youth movement that's trying to figure out why the fuck this country is so crazy. Why, why are we trapped in this crazy empire with this wacky Aminijad guy out there speaking for us overseas, making a mockery? I mean, he seems like a caricature bad guy. He seems like we gave him the script. And we're like, listen, dude, first thing you want to do is say there's no gays in Iran. He's like, that's preposterous. Yeah, I know it's preposterous, yeah. but we want you to say it. There's no gays in Iran. <laughs> I mean, he's like a cartoonish bad guy. Like, the stuff he talks about, is, it's so stupid. It's like, how did you get to be the guy who talks? when that's the shit that you're saying. And, and that's know? also the way the media, I mean, if you also look at the media's coverage, not that I'm defending him, but the media tends to pick up on only cover those kinds of situations. They don't cover the times when, when he's speaking intelligently. Right, of course. And, and that's, what's, that's what's dangerous, too, is because we're not being given the whole, the whole story. I'm trying to get an interview with him now. Because I, I want to sit with him, and I, and I have, I, not, well, now that I've mentioned it, it'll probably be stopped, but I want to sit down with him, and I want to get to the bottom of a lot of these situations with, with the whole wiping Israel off the map and, and other situations, because I can't trust that we've been fed the correct story on that uh, through, through the mainstream media. I mean, it, the situation now is that even the other day, Ahmadinejad was speaking in front of the UN, and uh, there's a video on the internet now of um, CNN cut him off. And then the reporter started talking over him at a point when he was talking about the fact that these countries, all the countries could get together and get along peacefully. 
He was talking about the potential for peace and said they went in and cut him off and then, oh, yeah, yeah, listen to him. And now he's trying to do this and, and really demonizing him. And, and journalistically, you, you can't just do that. Um, and they didn't give him his fair share. So maybe he's not quite as insane as, as we've been led to believe. There are many forces, very powerful forces, that want you to hate him and think he's freaking nuts so that it justifies us going in and, and attacking him. And when you start to realize that and look back at the info, you, you realize you may be not being fed the, the, whole, the whole picture here. Knowing what you know and being in the position that you are, you, you know, being a person who is behind the scenes at a major news outlet like CNN and mm -hmm. you get to see sort of the, the strings that, that hold the puppets up, is there a way to fix this? Is there a way to, to turn this ship around and sort of right America? Mm -hmm. Or is this a constant protest until we fall off the face of the earth and have a nuclear war? Is it, do we just scream and, and throw our hands up and pout and yell and scream until they launch the missiles and that, that wipes us all out? Or is it possible that with education, with the, the distribution of information that's available today, with you know, people like us talking about it, with people that are young, like David Seaman, growing up and, and becoming political leaders. These, yeah. these, is, is it possible that we can write this thing, that what we have is a group of people that are in control of this country that really came from another era? They came from the, an era of no disclosure. They came from an era where, you know, Watergate happened every now and then, but really it was because they wanted to catch them. You know, there's plenty of information that they have on everybody. Let's just keep this thing going along the way it's always gone along. I mean, is it, is, it, is it possible that we can end this era and move into an era of transparency, move into an era where people who are the leaders of this country are doing it for the right reasons? They're doing it because they truly are patriotic, because they truly believe in the, the real ideals that we like. To, when we think of ourselves in the best light, those ideals, the ideals of being an American, that they can actually bring us more in line, bring our actions more in line with that. Is that possible? I, it's only possible if people have access to information, yes. um, and they're and in in a way that can compete with the mainstream, um, and and that doesn't quite exist yet. There are a lot of strong forces outside your your show, Alex Jones, um, and and other uh, entities that are that are actually bringing out talking about these things that the mainstream isn't talking about, NDAA, um, all these other issues affecting our civil liberties. If those forces can't compete and get the message out just as loudly as the mainstream, then then I don't I don't know what direction this country's headed in. But we need we need that information. That information is power, and it's it's definitely not getting to the masses um, quite yet. But if we get to a point where we can compete with with the mainstream, and and really get get this information out, then people will be enlightened and they'll. And they'll know when things are happening and, and can make a difference and actually look for solutions. The real question is how long can they hold that off for? Is it possible that they can fight that off with shit like NDAA, with all these uh, passing, these sweeping bills about controlling the internet, the SOPA-type bills that they keep force-feeding yeah. and pushing through? You know, How long can they really stop that from happening? Because it seems like this is a new era. To me, it seems like when I talk to people today, like I, I mentioned this when I, when I spoke with David Seaman, when we, we had him on the show, it's like, 
I didn't know anything when I was your age. I was like, he's 26 years old. I was like, dude, when I was 26, I was retarded. I didn't know anything about the way the world goes. And you, here you are educating me on things. You're, you're completely immersed in the way this country is being run, the corruption of lobbyists and corporations, corporate influence on the, 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 the way we do everything from grow our food to extract oil. Is this a new era? I mean, are, are we dealing with this new wave of people who are informed, who are growing into adulthood to push these old douchebags out of office? I mean, is that what's going to happen? Or are we going to blow ourselves up before we get there? Are these old, <laughs> old fuckheads with yeah. hanging on by kitty cat claws on a curtain, just barely hanging on, they hit the red button and the whole thing gets wiped back to 10,000 years ago again? I, I am an optimist, <laughs> so I hope that's not our future, in our future uh, plans, but I, I think that, that the way things are going now, we're not in control of our country. The people of America are not in control. Who is, specifically? Well, well that's a good question, because yeah. obviously it's not the presidency, because otherwise NDAA wouldn't have been passed, and we wouldn't have this uh, ridiculous war on, on whistleblowers and journalists who want to improve the country. So you think the presidency has, that's definitely not within what, what they're looking for. Um, no. And, and I think that, um, I, because it can't be anymore. I mean, if Obama passed, uh, signed NDAA with, with those kind of provisions to be able to detain uh, American citizens without trial that violates the fifth amendment, uh, it's no longer in, on behalf of the people. I don't think they're making decisions on behalf of the people. You have some people that speculate who's really in control. Some people say the Federal Reserve. Uh, that, that worries them significantly. Uh, that's where we borrow most of our money. No one really knows who's in charge of the Federal Reserve. Some people say they're the ones pulling the strings. Um, you hear all these conspiracy theories. Um, but, but one thing's for sure is, is the people of the United States I feel personally, based on my last 10 years of really getting behind the scenes and investigating uh, all of these you know, major disasters we've had in the country, the people are no longer in control. Decisions are not being made on behalf of the people. If decisions were being made on behalf of the people of the United States, we would not be about to be entering Iran. We would be taking that money and giving it toward education and health care and improving the economy. If decisions were being made on behalf of the people, we'd be going after the bankers that got us in this mess. And what's staggering to me is that if you look at what we're doing overseas, where we're spending all this money, this uh, a lot of the, the contracts that have gone to Halliburton for reconstruction, a lot of the, the different desalination plants that they have over there, we could have easily had businesses profiting off of government contracts to fix our infrastructure, to fix our bad communities, to fix our impoverished places, to try to heal up America. I've always said that the best way, that if you want to make America better, the best way to do it is to make less losers, right? Yeah. So the way to make <laughs> less losers... a good losers, way to put it, Joe. You got to go after, you, you have to try to help children. You have to try to brace poor neighborhoods and try to prop them up and try to figure out a way to, you know, to bring some sort of economic prosperity to that area in education, help people work, give them role models. You get, there's, there's money to be made and there's satisfaction to be gained from the people that could help those people. That's like a beautiful human experience yeah. of helping people out and propping them up. And it can be profitable because these is going to have to, there's going to have to spend money doing that. So corporations are going to make money. Tax dollars will go there. It seems like it's just sort of a redistribution for, you know, of, of the way we're, 
we're spending our money from spending it on war to spending it on love. And it mm. seems like there's money in love too, but we've been tricked into thinking there's only money in war. And to think that all of our resources and everything that we have and everything that we project can only be profitable if we're killing people. That seems crazy. It seems like that's just, no, that's just the way we've always been doing it. And in viewing the world as one giant community, which I think is inevitable, I'm pretty sure if you just look at the way things are going, the of exponential course, growth, it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable that we will be just one big world community. Well, that's what we've got to do. It's real simple. If we want to live and enjoy life, which I assume everyone does, we want to enjoy this life. The only way we can enjoy this life is if there's the smallest amount of people possible that are not enjoying it. Mm. Smallest amount. The smallest amount of people in despair that, that, that it's manageable. The smallest amount. Of, you're always going to have a certain amount of losers. You're always going to have a certain amount. As long as there's variables, as long as there's, you, could do, you could go left whenever you want or go right. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be chaos. Which We're human. human are, humans are nuts. But if we could drop that to a tiny, minuscule number mm. and the amount of oppressed people, make it as small as possible. The amount of people with no opportunity, make it as small as possible. Then we can have a beautiful world for everybody. But it's, we're not going to get that by supporting Bahrain. We're not going to get that by, by guarding poppy fields in Afghanistan. We're not going to get that by multi-billion dollar no-bid contracts for Halliburton. That is not how we're going to get there. What we are, that's the last gasps of a dying empire of douchebags. You know, and that's what I really, when I look at this country and I, when I look at like all these people that are speaking out, when I look at people like you, I see real patriotism. When I see people like Alex, you could tell, call Alex Jones crazy all day. I love that guy and he's a fucking patriot and he's a real patriot. And what he wants is not to expose corruption and conspiracy everywhere he goes. What he wants is for, for all to stop. He wants people to run this country with a, 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 a real sense of morals. We should be run by true moralists. We, be, we should be run by people who feel responsible for their actions, who feel that the, the repercussions of the decisions that they make should be as positive as possible. And we should be a nation of heroes. We should lead the world as a nation of heroes instead of marauders. You and know? the American people deserve better. You know, I, I've the world deserves the, better. The world deserves better. Yes, the world deserves to know that that people are going to be in the best interest. We we need to know that we can be run by the best possible examples of humanity, and that we we could encounter the best possible examples of humanity in every single country if people just rise if people just get their fucking shit together you you unanimously all across the board if we can figure out a way to truly enlighten and the way to do this is with mushrooms see what we're doing right now <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we're, we're we're fucking around and we're trying to do it on our own and it's too goddamn hard you only get so far with a <laughs> yoga class every six months that you squeeze in after starbucks you have a fucking heart attack when you're bending over in warrior pose I think we need mushrooms, and we need them now. We need them from outer space. We need them to just drop down. Just, well, we need something. We need an enlightenment. Yeah. We need, we need uh, the next stage of enlightenment. We, we surely do. 
and it seems inevitable and it seems like there's a battle going on and there's a lot of people that believe that you can't have the the true push and momentum of enlightenment unless there's resistance against it it's that our whole our our entire nature is that we we really don't achieve what we can achieve mm-hmm. unless there's resistance and so we we still have somehow in our alpha male primate DNA, this desire to conquer and this desire to uh, to fight against oppression, this desire to rise against the enemy and compete against your your fellow man, and, and it's almost like a lot of people believe that the only way for people to truly achieve enlightenment is to see a, a Holocaust, is to see an Inquisition, is to see like the horrific possibilities of humanity. So it gives us something to not be, you know, it yeah. gives us something to rise against, you know. I think that's the past, though. I think I think really the future. I think we we're living in a weird world. We're we're living in a world that has changed a lot more than we're aware of, and mm-hmm. it's slowly starting to creep up on us. And Slow. and it may I mean who knows if if we've already missed this, the warning signs, but that's why people need to take it so seriously when we have NDAAs passed and when we see police dressed like Judge Dredd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean this. Wake up! Look what's happening on our streets of, of this country. I mean, think of 10 years ago, if you saw those police officers dressed like Judge Dredd standing in front of a protest in front of Walmart, intimidating a bunch of older individuals who are unarmed. Yeah. And it is scary. And it all could have been avoided. It all could have been avoided if the police were different. It all could have been avoided if that kid was not shot in front of everybody in broad daylight. It all could have been avoided if the police reacted to it differently. Everything could have been avoided. Instead, it's fuck you, you do as we say, yeah. or we're going to bring in tanks and dogs and rubber bullets. And that's not America. Or it's not, it's, you're being lazy. You're doing it the wrong way. You're trying to just control things, and you're, 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 you're not doing it the way that an enlightened society and culture would handle it. You're not. And, and that means... That's the enemy. That that type of behavior, the marching down the streets and shooting bullets down the alley, that's that's the enemy. That's the enemy at home. And the people that are doing it, they think that they're doing well. They think they're doing good. They think they're doing their, their job. And yeah. that's what's really fucked up about it. It's like by by the fact that someone gives them the green light, they, they feel like they're in the right. You know, like, well, these fucking protesters just stop breaking the law. You know, I'll stop shooting rubber bullets at their face. Like, it's, you know, just because somebody wrote something down on a piece of paper doesn't mean that shit's right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of shit that's written down on paper that doesn't make any sense. And one of the things is that you're somehow allowed to bring tanks into a city and guys with machine guns because a kid got shot in the back. That's not the way you're supposed to handle that situation. That's not the way an enlightened being handles their society and their culture. And that that is where we are right now. We are we are at a a, a a pass in human nature. We, we are at a, a bridge. We're at a divide where we have to change from the way we've lived for the past few thousand years. We just lived like dominating creeps. We have to change into a compassionate society of people who view each other as a community. You know, people who view everyone all around the world as a community. And that's that's the only hope. It's the only hope for humanity. And it seems to me there's like almost a race. There's a race between the, the assholes of the world that are trying to start conflict everywhere they can and try to extract resources and just fuck people over. There's a race between them and enlightenment, you know, and it, one, of, one, of the, one of them is going to win, you know. One of them is going to win. And either they get to the button first and they fuck 
flip the whole board over and we have to start the game over again or we calm everything the fuck down and we get out of this and we realize that you can't do all this corrupt bullshit anymore. Everybody knows what you're doing now and now we have to have a government that actually looks out for people and we have to make decisions based on what's an intelligent way to look at our possibilities for the future. And that's what leaders are supposed to do. And that's what real patriotism is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about locking people up because they expose when you fuck up. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it, we're just at a time right now where I, I agree with you. That was a beautiful way to describe it, Joe, where we, we're competing. Enlightenment is competing with corruption. And you're seeing corruption slowly try to crush enlightenment by, with NDAA, with uh, prosecuting whistleblowers. And, and who's going to win? And I, I, I'm always on the side of the people. I think that I think a growing number of people are, are realizing what's happening. But it can only happen if you let it happen to yourself. The NDAA <laughs> you know? is the closest, ex or the best example of that, that there is a battle going on. Because in, in just in the language that they use, saying that they can hold you indefinitely yeah. without recourse, that alone is like saying, nope, I have God mode. That's like saying, it's bringing someone into God mode. That's your fuck the NDAA. Yeah, I had to create the meme. I, we've had, to, as journalists, we've had to also become activists when we've seen the truth because... We, we, we are enlightened in a way that most of the public isn't, and, and, and now it's such a critical time. I just felt like I had to get that out there to let people know. As journalists, we say, fuck this section of the NDAA. This is ridiculous. It has the power to kill journalism because it will terrify our sources from coming forward. Not only that, we could be accused of helping terrorists, whoever our government decides are terrorists, and get locked up. Forever. And Obama says he won't use it on U.S. citizens. He promises that. But what about the next president? Yeah. And the president after that? You know that old expression, the person you say yes to today won't be the same person you say yes to 20 years from now? Yeah. And that's the problem with law is that, you know, just because someone puts something into once it's down, once it's written in the book, it can be interpreted a number of different ways and used a number of different ways, as you're seeing in Bahrain, where they're killing people with sanctioned methods of crowd control. They're using it to execute people. You know, slowly with sanctioned methods of crowd control. They're just using the law and they're using it to their exactly. advantage. Of tear gas. I mean, they are, if anyone researches it, they're systematically gassing these people. And if they continue this way, doctors are, are terrified for the long term health damage it's going to have. They're just gassing hundreds of thousands of people over and over every single day. 10 minutes from the U.S. military base. Why aren't our troops complaining about this? We need old They people. see this every day. Yeah, why aren't they? Well, I don't think they have. What what can the troops do? Yeah, well, they can't. They can't be if they all came up and rebelled against what was happening on the, down the street from them and spoke out against it. It couldn't exist. Well, one of the things that they do to keep the troops down is to keep them poor. You know, yeah. what the the money that they make while in the military is shockingly low. And the, the scary thing is that when Dick Cheney was in office, they passed laws that allowed them to send people back. You know, even if your time is over, they can bring you back because they need bodies. And it's scary. It's scary for those people. I, I have a friend that was, uh, he was 20 days, he had 20 days left on a 20-year stint in the Army Reserves. And they sent him to Iraq for a year and a half. And they sent him back again. They sent him there for a year and a half, and they sent him back again later. And, you know, this guy was fucked. There was nothing yeah. he could do about it. He had 20 days left. Wow. Yeah, and they go, duh, tough shit. See, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to fight us? 
You're going to fight us, you're going to do what we tell you to do. And they have, to, they, they have those guys programmed to do what they tell them to do. And they're scared, and they don't have money to fight it in court, and they don't want to get court-martialed. And they know that the, the law is not on their side. The, the written law is not on their side, even though it's not, morally, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. It's, it doesn't make sense legally. None of it makes sense that you can actually have these. I mean, essentially, you turn people into slaves. You turn that they have to do your bidding, and they do your bidding for a minimal amount of money. Mm. And it's it's fucking shocking. It's shocking. It's 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 Orwellian. It's disappointing. It's when you realize that this is how the country really is run, and our idealistic view of it as America, fuck yeah. It's just it's not it's not what it could be. It's like we're embarrassing. If you look at the amount of goodwill that we had after nine eleven. You know, and everybody was like, fuck, well, we're, our hearts go out to America. This is a horrible tragedy. And then look at the way they look at us now. Like, God damn, whatever we did, whatever we did to deserve that yeah. is it's just a mess. So we're not as good as we could be. Just not, period. We're, clearly, we've been running incompetently. And I thought Obama was going to be able to do something about that. Yeah, so did I. Uh, I. I think a lot of people felt that the country would change and journalistically it's changed horrifically <laughs> so so that only tells you uh i mean like i said earlier that that the presidency is no longer in control by the individual um you know i feel like there are greater forces at play here and and our country's being led in a direction that's not in the direction the people want it to go so so what's going to happen here you know well, the crazy thing is if they do do something with Iran, they can't expect there'll be no repercussions. I mean, what do they, what do they think is going to be the blowback? What do they think is going to be the, you know, the aftershock, the aftermath? What is, how much damage is something like that going to cause internationally? If Russia and China get involved, it could be crazy. Yeah, it, it could be, be World really War crazy. III. World War III, and they have nukes, you know. And, um, and, and I'm not, I don't want to be sitting here fear-mongering, but, but I see the writings on the wall. You just have to look at all the, 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 the propaganda being fed and the, the fact that Bahrain was so systematically censored, that story, in all of the mainstream media, not just CNN. And so you look at that, put everything, put the pieces of the puzzle together, and to me it spells out war. And, um, and the American people need to wake up and realize that we are, we are close to, to action being taken. Now, is it going to be taken with the approval of, of the people. Are we going to be given a choice? And it's pretty scary that I'm even ask, having to ask this question now. Do you remember when Obama was running for office and they were saying we're gonna, he's going to pull out of Iraq, he's going to close down Guantanamo Bay? He had all these things that he was saying. There's none of that he talk. He won't sign NDAA. Yeah. He'll yeah. take that out. Yeah. But there's none of that talk now. And yeah. In this series of debates, it's all about the economy and it's all about business and it's all about taxes. Meanwhile, we're about to go into World War III, and we're like, la, 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 not listening. Yeah. We're like completely blocking out. Like four years ago, it was, it was huge. That, that was the, the entire discussion was, what are we doing with these wars that we can't win? You know, when are we going to pull out? What, how are we going to handle this? You know, McCain had one plan. Obama had another. Obama was going to get us out of there, and it seemed like we had realized as a country that we were going to have to correct the mistakes of the previous administration. But now there doesn't seem to be any of that talk. They've just swept that under the rug. It's almost like they're denying that, A, there's still a huge conflict going on in Afghanistan. We're st still, to this day, people are suicide bombing left and right. There's all sorts of uh, troops that we train are attacking Americans and using the guns that we give them on American soldiers. I mean, it's fucking chaos over there. 
And there's not a peep about it. Not yeah. a peep. Not a peep. Not a peep about the heroin. Not a peep about the fact that Afghanistan controls more than 90% of the world's heroin. And that heroin use has gone up, skyrocketed in the United States since our, uh, since our mm-hmm. occupation in Afghanistan. Not, and and not some peep. of that is going towards uh, to make OxyContin yeah. and, and painkillers that are causing a, a ridiculous number of addicts in, so in Florida addictive. and in Appalachia. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary, The OxyContin Express? Yeah, yeah. The Vanguard and I, uh, documentary? Amazing. It was fabulous. Amazing. I am a huge fan of, of her, uh, Mariana Von Zeller, and yeah. um, Darren Foster did that one for Current. They are extremely talented uh, film producers and journalists. That was scary I, shit. When you watch yeah. that guy whose wife died of an overdose, and he smoked OxyContin before he called the cops while his wife was dead next to him. It's crazy. My cousin's in jail right now for that. Um, really? He grew up in like a, a, a upper middle class family in the suburbs, and he got hooked on OxyContin after t- trying it at a party, then switched to heroin, and now now he's in the in the slammer, unfortunately. Yeah, I have a family member who lost his shit over it. He got injured, got you know had a back injury, took it, and just lost it. Gone. Not the same guy anymore. Now he's gone, just nuts and. It's it's a scary, scary, scary drug, and so easy to get. Just mm-hmm. unbelievably easy to get. And what people don't realize is that there's more addicts, more pill addicts today than there have ever been at any time in human history. I mean, there's more people that are hooked on yeah. these fucking crazy pain pills. I mean, it's an epidemic, a real epidemic. Meanwhile, the DEA is fucking going after medical marijuana, fucking breaking down doors and sticking machine guns and tie-dyed kid t-shirt faces you know it's it's fucking unbelievable i love going to venice beach when you can just walk there and you just see people just smoking a joint on the side and not just because i'm 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 not saying whether whether i'm a marijuana fan or not but i'm saying that you're a marijuana fan (laughs) i you know i don't I, I don't see the problem with it. I'm, I'm going to come no out there. There's no problem yeah, with it. Yeah, because I've covered the OxyContin. I, I did a lot of reporting from Florida. I saw my family member um, affected by it, and I said, this is legal, and, America, or, and marijuana is illegal if you look at the side effects. Well, Drew, Dr. Drew on fucking CNN tried to say that there was a massive withdrawal effects to the, coincide with quitting marijuana, which is complete physiological nonsense. It's just not true. There's no withdrawal. It's not like heroin. It's not like you can die. You know what? You know what? has the worst withdrawal alcohol people yeah. die because they don't drink you get so addicted to alcohol that if you go cold turkey your body can go into shock and you can die it's not marijuana stupid and he's on cnn talking about that you know talking about marijuana being something dangerous only to pussies if <laughs> marijuana fucks up your life i've always said this it's just because marijuana got there first it could have been cheeseburgers yeah. scratch tickets it could have been anything. You're, you're, you're an idiot. You, you let something that makes people happy and makes people more sensitive, makes, people, makes food taste better. You've made that ruin your life. That's, you could ruin your life with anything if you so choose. People are weird. People get addicted to washing their hands. People mm-hmm. get addicted to sitting in front of shows and not leaving when the commercial's on. People are nuts. Like You, yeah. you can't say, because a certain amount of people can't handle marijuana, Marijuana would do a lot of people that are in control of this world some good. Just to be paranoid and just think about their repercussions and think about the, the actions that they've 
done and what, what, what that's caused to the, 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 the people that they have control over. Maybe you should give a Netanyahu some, a joint. A pot cookie. Maybe he'll, uh, <laughs> pot Netanyahu cookie. would cry if you gave that guy a pot brownie. And Net just, Zero Yahoo? Net Zero Yahoo. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he would change his cartoon bomb for sure. He would make it like the desk. I feel like someone bombs. had to be stoned when they, when they drew that bomb. <laughs> Because it's it's so ridiculous. I, I I just can't imagine someone wasn't un, under the influence of some type of drug during so during that drawing. Well, it makes me think that this world's not real. You know, I, I go over this so many times that my my fans are getting angry at me sometimes. They Twitter me and tell me stop talking about simulation theory because <laughs> it really starts that when you saw Mitt Romney the other day and he was wearing blackface when he was talking to the Mexicans. I was like, holy shit, this can't be real. That guy put fucking Snooky tan on his face and he's he didn't even get it. On on his neck he didn't get it on the back of his neck so as his face is all like super brown and orangey his neck is white his neck looks like a fucking t-shirt dude I've, I've lived in mexico and guatemala and he is not hispanic <laughs> like i don't care what he says or if he wants to try to fit in well you know, you his know story, it's, right? it's a shame yeah yeah he's from mexico I've heard some. I've heard different theories on that. That 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 um, that they were kind of forced down there as family. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They're polygamists. Yeah. They wanted to fuck a lot of women. They wanted to have a bunch of wives. And so they wouldn't let them do it in America. So they decided to move to Mexico. But that was back when people were riding horses. All right. Nobody thought there was going to be a difference. What's the difference? Mexico, America? Fuck it. Let's move there. Yeah. We can have ten wives there. And so they decided to move there. And Mexico just didn't change and grow at the same rate as America. So now they're stuck in like wars and shootouts with the drug cartels. And the guys from Vice um, broke this story about um, the Mormon compound, uh, the Romney compound that they have down in Mexico. There's a, the Romney family is from fucking Mexico. Romney's dad wanted to run for president, but he couldn't because he was born in Mexico in a cult. And that's where Romney came from. He came from there. He lived there. Mm. I mean, it's, fucking bananas they they're a crazy looney tunes religious cult that wanted a bunch of wives and so they decided to go to another country and and i i hate when candidates try to act like they're so chum chum with with the black community or the latino community or you know they always put a show on it's just so disingenuous and and the way i see him do that with the with the Hispanic community is just ridiculous, you yeah, know. <laughs> like it's cute. I, I don't see him hanging out in, you know, in LA and and really, you know, really getting down with the community. I could never imagine him going in a bar and, and hanging out with with a bunch of day labor Hispanic men. I, I could yeah. never see them getting along with with Romney. You know, it's interesting though that that's where the uh, the the debate has gone. That's where the focus of our country has gone. It's gone into these two very different personalities and what each one represents. And then the dialogue is one of them represents a redistribution of wealth. He represents, you know, he's going to take money from these these people that have worked so hard. And he's going to give it to these lazy folk to try to prop them up. And then the other side is that this this guy is a businessman and this guy is going to be able to figure out what's wrong with the business of this economy and put us back on track and he's got these steps that he's going to take right away and then one side is like this is going to cost the middle class a lot of money and all while this is going on Tanks are moving into place. And right now, that's in Iran. Yeah. That's for Iran. And, and, I, and I, 
the more I look at it, the more I'm, I'm starting to agree with people who, who think that the two-party system is just a distraction. Bill Hicks said it best. Yeah. He said, I, I like, he goes, he goes, I like the puppet on the left. Well, the puppet on the right is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. One guy is holding both puppets, you know, and that's essentially the dog and pony show that we got going on. Gay rights. Exactly. Redistribution of wealth. Uh, where are my taxes? What are you going to do? Give it to lazy welfare people? You know, there's uh, pe- people that believe that welfare is in place just simply to ensure that there's a certain amount of Democratic voters every year. You know, they just continue the welfare so people continue to be on the dole, so people continue to support anybody who supports that. It's a mess. It's a fucking mess. Uh, so what gives you hope? I always ask people that. Pot. because. <laughs> Marijuana, Marijuana. Psychedelics give me hope. For real. Yeah. Not joking. It sounds ridiculous because people associate psychedelics with uh, with non-realistic things, with hallucinations. They, 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 they don't look at it the way I look at it. I think that there are certain plants here that have aided in the evolution of human consciousness. They have changed the way people look. They've changed the way I look at people. They've changed my relationship with human beings. My, the way I look at human beings has fundamentally changed by having psychedelic experiences and changed for the better. Made me a healthier, nicer person, made me more loving, made mm-hmm. me more aware of the consequences of my own personal actions. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're illegal. And I think it's a really, it's a shame that they've been derided to the point where where it's it's a, a laughable topic, you know. If you say that, well, well, you know, yeah, Rogan also thinks that mushrooms can cure mankind. Well, guess what? They could. If we all had really intense mushroom trips, first of all, people would come out of that with a complete reset. They'd come out with that, you would be healthy, mm-hmm. but you would have a complete reset of the way you view eternity, the way you view this situation that we're in. The way we're so caught up in our own little culture and our own little situation that we have constructed and that we're fighting against and trying to control all these various aspects that we don't even we don't even think. We don't take the time to think about the incredible majesty of just life itself and how amazing it is and how incredible it is that you have friends and loved ones and how incredible it is that you can have sex and that you could drink wine and you could eat steak and you could go to a movie and you can drive a car. We live in a fucking fantasy world. And I think that if people had some newfound appreciation, whether it's from a near-death experiences, whether it's from uh, psychedelics, whether it's from meditation, whatever it is, I think people operate their lives primarily on momentum. They get up the same way they've always gotten up. They move in the same way they've moved to get there every day to work, and they go through the same job every day. And that momentum is very, very difficult to break. And even if it's not a healthy momentum, whether it's you know beating off to your dick bleeds or gambling all your money away, we still get stuck in that momentum. I got. I need a drink. You don't even know why you need a drink. You're stuck in some wacky momentum. You could call it being addicted to porn. You could call it being addicted to the internet, but we're stuck in a wacky momentum. And the only thing in my experience that changes that is a complete reconstruction of how you view the world. And the only way to do that is to step away. You have to have some sort of a, a disconnect, some sort of a Uh, an experience where you get an objective look at things for the first time. You look at things as if you were someone completely unattached to every single aspect of your life and the lives of all the people around Mm. with you, but you get to see it like mapped out in front of you clearly and cleanly with no ego, with no financial repercussions, with no, just you get to really see what it is. 
And that's not fucking possible for most people without some form of psychedelic experience. And so when you do these, because this is, you, you saw my first reaction was to laugh. Of course. And, you know. Everybody's is. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I know, even, I, it just, I, I've never really heard of it described this way. So tell me, when you do the mushrooms, what, what does it do? What is it like in, in your mind? What are you experiencing that allows you to have a greater understanding of reality? Well, that's where it gets really tricky because some people don't experience that. They just experience terror and dancing mice and alligator people that want to eat your ass. Like you could have bad trips too. It's not, I'm not, yeah. it's not always rosy. Cause I've never done any, any drugs like that. So I, I, because I've always had that fear of, of something well, fatal happening or. Well, you know. McKenna felt Terrence, there's a guy named Terrence McKenna, who is uh, one of my psychedelic heroes and is just a really brilliant, uh, fascinating human being. And he had this crazy theory um, called the stoned ape theory. And it was his belief that since psychedelic drugs unquestionably have existed since the beginning of human civilization, there have been various sacraments, various things that people have uh, taken in, in, during rituals to the point where uh, a guy named John Marco Allegro was one of the scholars that, described, that decoded the Dead Sea Scrolls. One of his translations, his, uh, his he wrote two books about the translations. One of them is called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And the, his book, what, what his basic life's work was explaining was that the entire Christian religion was a massive misunderstanding. And what it was really all about was psychedelic mushroom rituals and fertility cults. And that this was how the original group of, of, of people, like this, they, they wrote down all these rituals in the form of parables, in the form of stories. And I mean, it's, you have to be a, some sort of a, a scholar in, you know, in Aramaic and in ancient languages to even understand what the fuck he's saying to, to, to when you would disagree with it. But no question they had psychedelic mushrooms. There's no question. And there's no question that they thought that those psychedelic mushrooms were a direct connection to God. And that's probably what represented God to them and that they didn't want other people to know about it. And so they hid those things. They hid those things in stories. And those stories didn't represent necessarily Santa Claus or you know, and various people that were Jesus. One of the things that he translated was he believed that the word Jesus, or the word Christ rather, meant a mushroom covered in God's semen is that he believed that this is a Sumerian word apparently and he mm. believed that w they thought that when it rained that it was God like having intercourse with the earth and that these mushrooms would grow out of the yeah. ground like overnight and you know we they didn't have microscopes so they couldn't see the, uh, the the spores that turned into mushrooms so they thought that this was like gifts from God then they would take them and trip their fucking balls off mm -hmm. so if you really stop and think about that if you lived you know, in a time where there was no science and virtually no understanding of the, the world that we live in, and you found mushrooms and you ate them and just had this fucking mind-blowing, transcending experience, McKenna believed that that was responsible for us evolving past lower hominids. He believed that the, the, the doubling of the human brain size over a period of two million years, which is a huge mystery in the fossil record, they don't really understand why the human brain size doubled. And it was his theory that it, they doubled because they started taking psychedelic mushrooms. These monkeys came down off the trees. They started eating mushrooms every day. And yeah. in doing that, it changed the, the culture. You're, of to, you're, you're going to scare her away, Joe. 
It's not no, scary. No, 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 not at all. I'm actually. I'm it's fascinated. fascinating stuff, dude. If you, well, I don't have to tell you. You've you've had many mushroom trips, but when you have them, there's it's such a powerful experience. But still, I, what, if what I'm going to rob a bank, I'm still going to rob a bank if I do mushrooms or not. If I'm, I'm going to rape somebody, I'm not going to shroom on mushrooms. And go, you know what? I'm not going to rape this girl anymore. I'm what? going to like. It, I don't think mushrooms fixes anything. I think if everyone did mushrooms okay. in the whole world, it's not going to fix anyone because you look. You're at, ridiculous. In, First of all, you you might be very different than a lot of people that have had. Transcending experience. Anyone in prison has done mushrooms, I bet. Brian, yeah, they might be fucked up to begin with, but you can't discount all the positive experiences and all the transcendent experiences that people have had. Yeah, because you have like had two them. days. No, it lasts two days for you. It lasts you're, two you're days different. when you when yeah, you take I mushrooms. I don't think about a mushroom trip after two days. No, ever. Okay, well that's you, Brian. Well, well, I don't obviously, think anyone, you sit there and sit every oh, day God. you wake up yes, and like thinking yes. about how, that, how a can you trip? argue about it? It's just <laughs> silly, silly that you're even arguing about it. So what does it do to you when you take mushrooms? Like I, I, I know you guys say it's psychedelic. What do you see? What do you? What are your well, you know, most like profound you said, experiences? If you, if you th- what he's saying, I think in saying that you think about it for two days is that for two days you sort of reconsider yourself and then you eventually go back into the pattern of your everyday life right is that what you're saying yeah it doesn't do anything permanent where it's like okay i'm going to always i'm going to be a better person okay but that is that that is extremely subjective and it does to other people and it has to me so when you say that it doesn't i say okay maybe to you but for you to say that just because you haven't had a life-changing experience where they've pushed you into a different direction of understanding doesn't mean it doesn't exist when i'm telling you that it exists for me and there's two of us so it's 50 percent of the people <laughs> in this room that have done mushrooms yeah but i think had I, that experience. What, what i was getting at is that you like i i, I don't think if you had everyone do because you say this all the time about if you, everyone just did mushrooms everything would fix itself. I, I don't think for most people mushrooms has that big of an effect after a couple of days. You know, well, like, I it think was like, that's that was because shrinking. because of momentum. Yeah. I think that's because of momentum and yeah. because of the fact that it's so easy to go back and to think about your life the way it, you used to think about it before you had that experience. Your ego will guide you right back to the patterns that you're comfortable in anywhere. You know, unless you've chosen. Like, what makes a person decide? You know. I'm tired of being a fat fuck. I'm I'm going to start eating healthy and I'm going to drink water all day and I'm going to lose this fucking weight. For some people, it's bullshit. They try it and then two days later, they go back to eating again. I mean, Brian, you've you've been on several diets where you've lost a tremendous amount of weight and then you go back to your normal patterns of eating, right? I've been on one diet, but yeah. Okay, you've been. I thought it was more than once, but no. you you lost you lost an amazing amount of weight, like 80, 80 something pounds. Oh wow! But then you know that you was started. motivation because I got out of a relationship, an eight year relationship. Right. See, you had a transcendent experience. You had something that made you change your life. And for some people, that mushroom trip, that that reset, they might have more questions about life than you do. They might have more questions about their own consciousness than you do. And when they have those psychedelic experiences, they're truly life-changing. And it doesn't have to be just for two days. It can be for... Two days, I've which never starts you in a direction. I guess I've never met anyone that did mushrooms and it changed their life forever. Ever. Okay, never you're, you're silly because you know me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think that, though, of you. A I lot of people do. That's weird. You know Greg Fitzsimmons when he was on the podcast who was talking yeah. about how much I've changed since he met me? Yeah, yeah a lot of that is psychedelic experiences, man. I really? mean, a lot of that is meditation. A lot of that is time age, in the isolation tech. Did you say AIDS? A- age. Yeah, that too. That too. But <laughs> you know kids. what? By the way, that, that is all life experiences. And uh, psychedelic experiences are part of life experiences. They're uh, unbelievably introspective. They force you to examine your life in, in, in a really almost an alien way. 
And again, not for everybody. Different people go into them with different baggage, you know, different people. Uh, some people try to fight the experience and go crazy. You know, there's there certain aspects to a psychedelic experience where you cannot control it. You don't have any control over it. But what, what it does do for sure is humbles people. And what it does do for sure is it squashes your ego. You know, and maybe Brian doesn't have ego problems. Maybe mm. that's why, you know, it, do, it doesn't change him that much. But for some people, it's incredibly humbling. It's just really cool. Like, you get some cool movies and put it on. It's really neat. But I think that's about the, the height of it. Okay. Mm. Well, I totally disagree. <laughs> See? And there's 50% of us here. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, look, look, everybody's different. Some people I, eat peanuts and it fucking kills them. I'm weighing with, okay, do I try it or do I not? Or um, If you, you wanted know, to do something, what I would recommend is... Um, Going to Peru and doing like an ayahuasca retreat. Do one of those. I, I scuba dive. Yeah, I, I do, do something. Yeah, Jerry Garcia said he wouldn't need he wouldn't need hallucinogenics if if he was able to scuba dive every day. Because to me, that's that's when you're seeing all the coral formations and right. these crazy huge fish and sharks coming at you. That to me is a, another world experience. That's easy to me. say for Jerry Garcia after he did acid a billion times. Yeah, <laughs> at a certain point in time, are you even sober after that? I mean, do you <laughs> yeah. ever get sober? Or who allowed him to scuba dive? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I wouldn't want to be his scuba buddy. <laughs> you know? yeah, he's uh, fucking just gonna die any second on you. That guy's held together by tissue paper at the <laughs> yeah. end. Yeah. How old was he when he was scuba diving? Uh, I think it was. I think it was later in his life, but not not too late. But uh, but that's just a well known phrase within mm. scuba diving that that he would always say that, especially when he was able to go down like in places like Hawaii where you have turtles and. And that's like tripping when you see a turtle swimming right next to you and you're oh, swimming man. and you're at the same pace and it's this huge, huge sea turtle. It's, what about it's sharks? Awesome. You ever see sharks? Yeah, I love, love, love seeing sharks. Really? Um, uh, because they're so rare. It's very rare. To, it's like saying you go hiking out in California, you'll see a bear. It's, it's almost the odds are, are slim to none. So when I get to see a shark, I'm, I get excited about it. One time we were uh, scuba diving below the oil spill on CNN. This was really cool that they, they let us do this. And um, and th- it was an area where there weren't a lot of bait fish because they'd been killed by the oil. So we're down underneath the water. It was me and Philippe Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau invented scuba diving. It was his grandson. And Jacques Cousteau invented scuba diving. Mm, uh, he uh, yeah he he helped uh, oh, I know. really. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. I knew he had that show, but I didn't know he invented it. Wow. Um, are so, you being serious? Are yeah, you, I didn't know oh, I thought you it. were. Act, okay. No, I really didn't know that one guy invented scuba diving. Well, he helped. He, I mean, but who knows if we can trust what was written? He helped innovate it. Uh, oh, okay. I'd say he was really the guy who brought it to the mainstream, and and so we were there live on TV scuba diving, and all of a sudden there are sharks swimming behind us on air, and a lot of viewers thought we were going to get eaten, and. Um, and, and so I was really paying attention to, we were wearing hazmat suits and I was paying attention to not drowning because my suit had flooded and there was, we were in oily water. And so I barely noticed the sharks, but I went back and watched the video and, and there are a lot of them that just keep swimming right past us. And I later find out that our, um, my asshole South African photographer was throwing lunch meat off the boat <laughs> that was attracting all these sharks to come toward us. I know. Jesus, what a jerk. What? Yeah, he was throwing, uh, we had Walmart sandwiches, and he was, he was throwing the salami and the bologna that he didn't like off the boat, and it attracted one shark, and he thought it was funny to, to bring all these other sharks on board. But, what a um, douchebag. But it's cool to see them underwater. They're fascinating creatures, the way they swim, and, and also... Um, just to see something that massive that could potentially harm you 
uh, it's kind of a adrenaline rush, you know? Yeah, for sure. Actually, uh, it's it doesn't seem like they invented it. It seems like Jacques Cousteau sort of um, made it uh, made it popular, but it seems like the first uh, inventions of it were in the 1700s. 1771, a British engineer named John Smeaton invented the air pump, and a hose was connected between the air pump and a, a, a diving barrel, allowing air to be pumped to the diver. So in 1700, they invented it. People are so crafty. I know. Isn't that amazing? And it's pretty fascinating to be underwater and be able to breathe. And, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's one of the most incredible feelings. I, I highly recommend scuba diving. So you're claustrophobic? No. I, well, I'm not, I'm not a claustrophobic person, so it doesn't affect me in that way. But, um, but I could see how some people would affect them because you have all this gear on and you're relying on this claustrophobic thing over your mouth to be able to breathe yeah it seems like if something goes bad it goes bad fast you know like if you see like a shark or something like that you you just start panicking that's you dude that seems like it would no i mean like she's she's got it together dude she's in bahrain getting machine guns put in her head (laughs) she can handle sharks i have an abnormal sense of fear i know i don't my whole life i i just don't have that thing in my brain that tells me wait (laughs) stop what you're doing really yeah it's it's strange I, i i just it doesn't if I do have it, it's very, very minimal. Have you ever thought that maybe you have like a destiny and that the reason why you have this bizarre, abnormal sense of fear where you don't react to it is because this is your path? Maybe you're like a historical figure. And someday, really? Yeah, someday. I'll what be you're going to do. One of your dudes, they're going to be talking about you. It's going to be super important. And you're just like this crazy broad who just uh, didn't have this fear of sharks. <laughs> you're like machine guns, no big deal. Let me get back in there. Fuck, I'm trying to get a visa. I'm trying to get back to your country where you tried to shoot me. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's a, a very uh, weird possibility. Have you ever thought about that? Like your your place in this whole thing? There's something that you said in the Alex Jones documentary that or uh, interview rather that I thought was really fascinating. You said that uh, CNN is on the wrong side of history, mm-hmm. you know, and um, by by doing what you're doing, you're clearly on the right side of history. You're clearly the I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. When, when you see corruption, you're supposed to talk about it. When you see problems, you're supposed to expose them. You're on the right side of history. Do you, do you think about that? Yeah, I, I always, when I come out with things full force, um, it's only when I 100% know the truth. Um, because no matter what, if you if you follow the truth, I always say it doesn't have a shelf life. Whatever the corruption is going to get exposed, um, and and I think that I think you know I really do. I believe my my lack of sense of fear also uh, it enabled me to do that because I I don't have that thing over my shoulder telling me okay well what if someone comes after you for going after Time Warner or what if um, what if you don't have a job or money? I've lived out of my car. I don't. You know, I don't, I don't have those fears. So that enabled me to come forward um, and talk about this and make and bring this into the public light without having having fear. Wow, where do you see this uh, this all going for you? Do you do you, you know do you have like a a ten year map out where you sort of have projected what what you're going to be doing, or are you just sort of living in the moment and trying to react to the world changing around you? I am uh, trying to use everything in my power to uh, to enlighten Americans and let let them know what's happening. Uh, I I don't know yet where I'm going to be ten years from now. Hopefully, safe and sound and um, working for a journalistic 
uh, outlet that allows people to do real journalism again, uh, whether I have to create that or whether someone else will, um, I don't know. But um, do but you I, think that your bold choices will inspire other people that are in your same position, that were in your same position, like in places like CNN and Fox News, to do the same and to expose things? I or do hope you think so. it's it's really hard to do? It's it's hard to do because you're no matter what you're going to face criticism, and then when you look at it journalistically, how much power these networks have, and how few companies own everything, people don't want to tick them off, and people don't want to lose their health insurance, and they don't want to lose their severance, and they don't want to lose money. And um, and it's easier just to go along every day and, and pretend nothing's happening and, and continue to just have that imagination that you're just a, a cog in the machine and you're not really the problem. Well, every single person that's enabling this to happen is the problem. And that's what I said. I, I feel like these journalists are going to go down in the, on the wrong side of history and they're just as guilty as the corporations they work for because they know this is going on and they're not saying anything not only are they not saying anything they're continuing to go into work every day and and feed lies to the american public do you remember when they used to have all those movies about the mccarthy era and uh you know that one movie with uh robert de niro i forget what it was but it just showed the suppressive nature of you know the government back then and this this massive witch hunt it's so similar to what's going on yeah. today. It's so weird how things go in these weird these cycles, these incredibly bizarre cycles. And now the witch hunt is yeah. terrorist. Yeah. The word terrorist. Yeah, well, it's, well, when that witch hunt becomes a guy like Julian Assange, when it, when it turns, you know, the word terrorism turns to a guy like Julian Assange, it yeah. really makes you go, well, what is your definition? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, this guy, that guy has never killed anybody, Okay. He didn't kill anybody, and he didn't lie. So what did he do? What did he do that's so terrible? This, he, he that's a, a terrorist? terrorist? He was a terrorist on corruption. He ter- <laughs> corruption was fucking terrified of him. You know, and I'm, I'm sure there's people that would consider me a terrorist, because if I know that they're corrupt, I'm going to fucking expose them. Enemy Excuse of the language. state. Yeah. Um, and... Exactly. And so maybe in some people's eyes, I'm a terrorist. But that means then I can be taken down by the NDAA. And that's what's so scary about it. They're cheating. They're doing the wrong thing. It's not the way you're supposed to run things. You fuckheads. You know it. You know you're not supposed to run things <laughs> like that. You're cheating. You, you've by, instead of doing it correctly, you've decided to take away all dissent. And to slowly remove the rights of the people that are showing dissent. That's some un-American bullshit. It can only happen if people let it happen. Yeah. You know? Do you think it's ever possible to make a new country like the way we did America, where everybody hopped up from Europe and like, fuck this. Let's, it was only a couple hundred years ago. Is there a spot? Maybe if global warming kicks in, we could take over Greenland or Iceland, <laughs> rather, or Antarctica. <laughs> right? Anywhere. Well, Iceland is a Mars. real country. We have a, we have yeah, a rover Mars, there now. There we could uh, maybe recolonize Mars. That's, that makes sense. You know, or what about some type of open source government on, you know, on the internet? Well, about those people that want to build cities in the middle of the ocean and international waters, those floating city ideas. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the future. Some fucking water world type shit. Or we could just, yeah, we could just put on tanks that allow us to scuba dive forever oh. and just all descend into the oceans. I'd, I'd prefer to, uh, for that to be my fate. I got to tell you, Joe. Wasn't there some recent... Uh, there's something where they allowed uh, some sort of an injection. They allowed people to uh, not have to breathe for certain periods of time. 
some some new uh, invention. I should, really? I gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some uh, scientists. I don't know how I should Google this. Scientists uh, swim without oxygen. No Abyss. Oxygen. Was that the movie Abyss that they pumped yeah. something in? The... Yeah, you remember that shit? Yeah. That, that movie was ahead of its time, yeah. man. Yeah, I don't know. There's some new discovery. I'm not googling it. Aqua Fox magic. <laughs> no, there was uh, there, there really was something. Uh, scientists suffered a way to keep people alive even when they can't breathe. Uh, yeah, okay. They inject oxygen into the blood. They've discovered a new way of administering oxygen to the blood which could allow people to stay alive without breathing. Amazing breakthrough could change medical science by eliminating the need to keep patients breathing during complex operations. Okay, so they, the idea was this is for operations, but it could also be used somehow or another. You could connect people, some sort of a fucking thing, intravenously, and they don't have to breathe. Whoa. <laughs> and, and where is this taking place? Where is this research? Research? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Maybe I shouldn't say. Or they'll close down on them. <laughs> Look what I got on my door today, Joe. I got a uh, free Scientology test on my door. Ooh. And I just have to fill out this like 10-page thing and send it in. And they can tell me if I'm... Uh, Scientology ready. It says, are you curious about you? Yeah. Wow. And then the questions are like, do you often make thoughtless remarks or accusations which you later regret? Yes or no? You, and then it's just, you definitely you, There's just that. tons of questions, like ridiculous questions. You, you should say, yes, that's my whole career on podcasts. Do you spend much time on needless worries? <laughs> do you? No. Not really not needless. Really, not needless. <laughs> These worries are legit. <laughs> <laughs> He's worried about the feds coming in here. And well, we should be worried about show. it. The Islam. Well, that's another thing that's been uh, widely misreported in the news is this attack on the U.S. embassy in Libya that they attributed to this fucking shitty movie that this guy made. And uh, apparently that's not true at all. And then that, that movie, that attack rather, had been planned for a long time before that and purposely took place on the anniversary of September 11th. And uh, that... For some reason or another, they decided to blame it on people reacting to this movie. So sort of give people an irrational idea of how Muslims would respond to uh, any sort of uh, mocking of their faith. And to get us even more, you know, angry at the idea of Muslims and more excited about the idea of uh, stopping this Muslim threat, this Islamic threat that the world sees. And Iran is a part of that, you know. Exactly, and and why didn't the government come out when they knew it wasn't exactly directly a result of that video? Why didn't they come out and talk about that right yeah. away? Well, they don't ever. It's like the Pat Tillman story or the Jessica Lynch story. Mm-hmm. When they get caught bullshitting, they never make an okay. We were bullshitting. They never do that. They never do that. They so just that's sort of journalist's yeah. job mm-hmm. to come forward and say that that this wasn't really a result of that movie, and you didn't see that on on the networks. They didn't do that. Instead, they just continued to fill the public with this crap propaganda. So what are you doing now as far as like broadcasting? Where where can people read your latest stuff? Who are you working for these days? Like how are you rocking it? What are you doing? I uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a book. I, I felt like the protests were undercovered. So the first thing I did was I, I do photography. Um, it's one of my loves and passions. So I've been traveling to all these protests. That's why I was shot at in Anaheim and, and taking photos of protest here in the U.S. and really showing people this is happening. And not only that, people are, are winning. 
There are, there are people, man, these people down in Texas that are fighting the tar sands pipeline, they're crazy. These old farmers are, are putting um, devices on to attach themselves, physically attach themselves to equipment that law enforcement has to saw off in order to get them away. Really? And, and they're burying themselves in the ground. Yeah, I mean, they are fighting what? back. Yeah, what is this? You don't even know about it. I Why? Because it's it. not being covered because they're winning. And they're actually stopping this pipeline from going in or at least stopping the construction periodically. Um, Where is it and what is it about? Down in Texas, they're, they're building a tar sands pipeline uh, through some communities, through some wineries, some, some farms, and, and the community's very upset, and they've really done what's called direct action protesting, which you can assume what that means. That's direct action. I mean, they're getting in there and, and preventing this construction from taking place. They're also building houses, tree, uh, they're taking over trees and forests and building um, tree houses and having professional climbers come in to keep the, I know, you don't know. It's fascinating. How the many art people of are protest. involved in this? Um, I, I would say there are thousands. I mean, it's going on all across the state. And, and so I'm, I'm covering not only that, I'm covering uh, women's right to go topless events. There is a big event. In Who Tennessee. is fighting that? There are, are Who women. Who the fuck is fighting that, Brian? Not me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some cities as a woman, man. You go out there uh, topless and you'll, you'll get cuffed for uh, disturbing. In, in Columbus, Ohio, it's, uh, it was legal to uh, go outside topless, but it was illegal to go inside a strip club and be topless. That's hilarious. So strip clubs have to have bikinis? They have to have uh, pasties. Oh, that's hilarious. But you could be topless outside. Yeah, you could just walk outside. And some oh. guys have moobs. Or man boobs yeah. that are bigger than the women. Yeah. And women. way more disgusting to look at, too. Yeah. Better areolas. Yeah, who the fuck is stopping women from going topless? What kind of a weak-ass culture do we have so, here? So they're winning. These pro these women are winning. Like, we always see, oh, Occupy, it's so stupid, and they're not getting any change done, and they're not winning. Actually, they are winning, and there's a lot of cases where they have, have won, and that's what this book's covering, and that's what also is going to piss a lot of people off. Are you worried about it? This. Pissing people off? Are you worried about, like, they're, they're saying, all right, now this is really a problem um with ndaa yeah yeah i am um but uh i think a lot like i said a lot of investigative journalists are but it will it stop me hell no it just makes know, me put in now i'm putting now i put up that fuck ndaa poster and i'm putting that one in the book you know do you know anybody that's been put on like no fly lists or any of those things yeah we had uh, one of even a cnn journalist you think oh they don't mess with the mainstream media uh a journalist a colleague of mine investigated the tsa and was put on a no fly list wow yeah for quite some time to try to intimidate him so if you investigate the tsa they can put you on a list that says you can't fly yeah they do that to uh critical politicians and they've done it to journalists and and they did this to a, a cnn journalist Wow. Yeah, and, and, and as a reporter, especially at CNN, you need to travel. That's your job. You're traveling all the time. So, so it really affected him. So what happens when you go to the airport? They say, you can't fly? That's it? There's no, you have no recourse? I, I've never been on, on the list, but, but I know he wasn't able to travel uh, within the country. So that yeah, until you're fucking crazy. So he has to go Greyhound bus everywhere. <laughs> I, yeah, or drive. Him? Or what they do is they say they're investigating it, and maybe they drag on that investigation for months before they take your name off that list. I haven't been put on that list yet. Um, but, wow. That's but yeah, incredible. I mean, it's just Big Brother trying to intimidate uh, dissent, and not only that, intimidate politicians who would be against their behavior as well as as journalists. I don't think they've messed with me because I know I would I would raise so much hell about it. <laughs> um, or maybe I haven't investigated the TSA yet. I uh, that's probably why. Wow. 
What a weird, weird world we live in. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine going to the airport, you're going to visit grandma, or maybe it's an emergency, a funeral or something, and you're told you can't fly? For what? Because you're a journalist and you actually are exposing corruption in the government, which is our job? Or, <laughs> or you're Joe Rogan and you, you got the Joe Rogan experience and you spoke out against the TSA? Have you ever been on a list? He's already no. going to get us in trouble. He has too many people in here that are on the government list, so we're going to get the list by association, I think. But we're not doing anything. <laughs> we're just talking, dude. Yeah, but we're giving Amber Lion has to worry. We're we're taking the easy route. We're, we're, we're giving them eyes. Is that what it is? We're giving them the yeah the voice. You know what I mean? So, so it's like a problem. Part of, part, Should we stop? No, no, it's a part of it though. So we're probably on the list. They're probably following but we're not us. on the list because we get, we could still fly. True. We're not on that list. We're, we're on the webcam looking at us masturbating. You know, yeah, they like us. You know, this that's the problem. I get. I've, I've gotten. I've gotten. Uh, the, yeah, the masturbation videos. Just I make so you weird know, faces. Put a post-it over. No, nah, can watch. Go ahead, bitch. You want to watch? Yeah, but what's worse that they're going go to hear us? You know, oh, okay. if they, that's even worse. Not being able to see us and just hearing us go. Ugh. Okay, so what if someone came to you and said they hacked into your computer and they had video of you? Masturbating. I would put, it yeah, put it online. Go ahead. Okay, online. so you guys are no. so they can't mess with. I'm not you. I'm just kidding. Fun. I'm kidding. Oh, Please really? don't put it online. No, it would suck. But I what wouldn't be like, oh, here's a million dollars yeah. or anything. Like but that. what if they said, okay, you need to not have that guest on your show. No. Or I'll, I'm going to leak this video. You know, I guess you're going to have to have a video of me beating off because it's it's ridiculous. It's not that big a deal, you know. Yeah. It's like if you really want to have that video and put it out there. First of all, everyone's going to know that you can do that, and it's going to be yeah. massive outrage that you turn on someone. For for whatever reason, you just you've been videotaping them beating off the whole time. Yeah. That's some un-American bullshit right there. That's ridiculous. It depends if there's any ass play. Also. <laughs> <laughs> but there always is, Brian. So why are you playing yeah, games? Be yeah, you're gonna you're, you're gonna come to me with a cold sweat. We can't have this guy on, David Seaman. Man, really, we're gonna do a David Seaman podcast again? Fuck that. Let's get Joey Diaz on. Yeah. <laughs> And if he starts saying that, then yeah, you'll know someone's yeah. got a video somewhere. He'll be sweating and shit. Like, why yeah. are you so sweaty, man? What's this will be the on? secret word, so you know what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> suck on my finger. That is not a word, you fucking weirdo. God damn, son. You know, yeah. I, I was thinking of your show, and I was thinking on my way here of how I, I, I think that your show will go down in, in history as a show that told the truth and actually had... Um, was it was a strange rise out of out of the mix into something that you know is really becoming one of the leading voices of of truth and when it comes to podcasts and and other content and you guys are really starting to fill that vacuum uh that has been created by the mainstream media well it's just weird to me that there's not something like this in the mainstream media that someone it's like I look at things that are fascinating to me and the world is filled with them and uh, some of them involve corruption and the other ones involve Bigfoot and crop circles and UFOs and aliens and all I'm interested in a lot of different things but you you don't see a, a lot of discussion on these things whether it's uh, odd, crazy things like Bigfoot or UFOs, or you, you, don't, you don't see much real legitimate discussion about psychedelics. You don't see much real mm-hmm. legitimate discussion about the, the possible repercussions of the way society is progressing and what is a solution to, to, do, to really to change the whole thing. You don't see much legitimate discussion about that. And I've always found that weird. I, I, don't, I don't know why that exists when that's always what 
I would get together with my friends and talk about. When, when me and my friends would be alone you know, at a restaurant somewhere and someone would talk about something or Eddie Bravo would bring up some video he saw or Brian would talk about something that was on the internet and, and we would all sit around and talk about it. I, I never understood why there was nothing, no show that had these points of view. There was no show that was like, what is going on here? Where everybody seems to be pretending that everything's fine, and everybody seems to be pretending that everything is going along, you know, a manageable course, and we're going to be fine. And I don't, I don't see that. I, I see madness. I see chaos. I see people that have way more power than they have knowledge and enlightenment. They have, they have this weird sort of situation where I don't understand exactly who's running the show and I don't think anybody does and then there's this dog and pony presidential debate and eventual election which if anything changes at all to be social issues you know that's all that ever really changes gay marriage is the beach ball that gets tossed back and forth and maybe medical marijuana is going to be the next one but Obama's already lied about that. You know, they, they, they lied about whether or not they were going to use the DEA to go after medical marijuana dispensaries. He's been doing that like crazy lately. It's, it, it's a weird thing when you realize that it doesn't matter who wins. It's a mm -hmm. weird thing. Isn't it? It's yeah. just a, such a strange enlightenment to wake up and think. It's terrifying. Yeah. It doesn't is. matter. I, I've, I've recently had that. And it, and Are it, you going to vote? Just, um, me? I, I, just historically speaking, I, I, I don't vote because I don't want a dog in the race. And I know I get criticized for this all the time, but I know if I do go in and take the time to vote for someone, I'm going to be secretly rooting for them. Mm. And that's the problem we're having now, I think, with people not criticizing Obama enough, journalists, because journalists tend to be more liberal yes. and, they're, and they're scared to criticize him for NDAA. And that's why we're not seeing these vital issues covered. So I feel like, as journalists, I feel like we shouldn't vote. We should not have a dog in the race. We should be able to stand back regardless of party and, and just look for the truth and really criticize. Go after everyone. I mean, that's our job is, is Fuck to, yeah. I say to as piss Canadians. everyone off. That's our excuse now, you Brian. Mm -hmm. No voting. <laughs> yeah. That's I, our, I don't vote. Yeah, well, it keeps you off the jury, jury duty. Yeah, keeps oh, you off that nonsense too. No, I encourage everyone to vote and, and be active. But I, as a journalist, I, I encourage everybody it. to take mushrooms and be active that way. <laughs> or mushroom. I mean, it. whatever way you want to. Brian doesn't agree with me. But I encourage listen. ass play. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage everybody to follow Amber Lyon on Twitter. Amber L Y O N. Look, thank you very much for just being awesome. What you've done is is very courageous, and it's very rare. It's uh, it's you've taken a very unique path, and uh, I think I think you're on the right side of history. Oh, that thanks, makes you feel Joe. good. That means a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this fabulous podcast. Uh, we're not going anywhere, you dirty bitches. This weekend, we will be in Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live. Many of the, the shows are already sold out. There's two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, <laughs> one show Sunday. Brian Redband will be joining me. Holla at your boy. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. As was the Ice House last night. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody who came out to the Ice House last night. What a fucking show. So fun. I mean, the crowds that we get are just... We couldn't have asked for a better, a better thing happening. I, we couldn't. I'm not even saying this right. We we couldn't have imagined that what's going on right now with these right. shows and with the podcast ever could have happened. It's it's not for a something cult. We you plan. guys are really nice. The best cult ever. <laughs> and no one's running this cult, by the way. I'm not. I don't. I don't know what the fuck. Shroom techs running. Shroom then, techs running this then, cult with his little Desquad.tv. Get yourself some alpha brain, bitch. Enhance your neurotransmitters so you understand what the fuck we're going on about. Like ants. Yes. In the African desert. Get on it, bitch. And follow Redban on Twitter. R-E-D-B-A-N. Desquad.tv is where you can pick up your funky, fresh kitty cat t-shirts. There's two of them. 
one of them has uh, the hypnotic super cat on it. That's what I'm calling the new one, the hypnotic, hypnotic super, super cat. cat. I love that fucking cat. Who and the guy just got a tattoo of it very recently. Yeah. Congratulations, sir. You made an excellent choice. Yeah. Thanks to Onnit.com for sponsoring us as well. Go to O N N I T and use the code name Rogan. You will save 10% off any and all supplements. Did you just slow it down? Don't slow it down at the end. What are you doing? You mixing? Yeah. Okay. That's it, folks. Fucking show's over. It doesn't get any better than this. This is all we got for you. But we love you. We love the shit out of you. And we'll see you soon.